0: live from chatterbox sports studios it's off the bench with tom brenneman
1: good morning good morning a pleasant good tuesday morning to each and every one of you happy holidays we are in the christmas spirit right here in the heart of hamilton ohio we welcome you to off the bench presented by united dairy farmers i'm tom brenneman Always a pleasure. Please say good morning for those of you new to the program, for our cast of characters each and every day. Casey McAllister, good morning. Good morning, Tom. You're a little fired up today. Yeah. A little more life. You've gotten off the gummies. I got a little more life going here. Yeah, well, now
0: that's legal. I'm a little bit more uh, (laughs) – I got a little more pup in my step. That's
1: right. But Hey, listen, Sheriff Jones up here in – in Butler County, brother. They'll have none of those places opening none. up around no, no, here, Reed Mouse.
2: Right. They lay down the law. Sheriff Jones, he's, he's a no-nonsense guy. Yes, he is. And he, he ain't going to put up with with, with all the, the frivolous and the new laws and everything like that. He's an old-time guy.
1: Old school. We love. That's I, right. I'm going to get him on the show sometime. Get him to come in here. I want to ask him about that case last summer.
3: Yeah. And what, was, what happened in that case? Which one are you talking about?
1: When the dude, you may have heard about it, the dude was sitting there at some great music fest they got along the river. Don't you have a monologue, Tom? Yeah. (laughs) Don't you have (laughs) a monologue? I I want to hear it. I didn't didn't get to hear this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because it's an investigation and we're not allowed to talk about current investigations. That's right. Elliot, good morning. You doing all right? I'm doing great. Okay. That's Elliot Rearing. We have Reed Mouse. We have Casey McAllister. I don't know where the boss is. Trace Fowler. He can do whatever he wants though when you're the boss. That's right. That's right. It's his company. He rocks and rolls. Exactly right we come your way Monday through Friday, 10 hey, hey, to 12 p.m. A little more life there. You can find us on YouTube. Just check us out. Chatterbox Sports, the page once you get to YouTube. We are broadcasting, I believe, live on Twitter, are we not? That's right, Tom. And that's at Cbox Sports. So check that out. And if you'd rather join us in podcast form, if you're working, you got stuff going on with the kids, you're bouncing around. We're getting more and more women watch this show, I understand. So I know you got stuff going on, whether it's at work or whether it's at home and kids getting out of school. Saw so a lot of uh, kids today who today was their last day before Christmas break. I've gotten to know a group of uh, school bus drivers up at the UDF about four exits down. I talk to them every morning. We shoot the breeze for about 10 or 15 minutes. And they were all fired up because their vacations start tomorrow. There you go. Yeah. Good dudes. Good dudes. Uh, we were keeping our fingers crossed on Jamar Chase. He's healed quickly before and has played through numerous injuries like a lot of players do. But according to Ian Rappaport, he can't play through this latest shoulder injury, at least not this week against the Steelers. Now, Zach Taylor yesterday wouldn't rule him out for the game, although that news may come later today officially from the Bengals head coach. In fact, Rappaport reported that Chase has what is called a sprained AC joint in that right shoulder, and he could miss more. Than just this week's game against the Steelers. If I were a betting man, I would bet money, and I have no knowledge about it whatsoever. Chase ain't missing more than one game. Just, a, just a feeling I got about it. Dude's a gamer. We're open zero. T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd—they've carried the load before around here. They were both mm-hmm. here before Chase got here. They'll be expected to carry the load again to keep those playoff hopes alive. Now the Steelers—boy, do they have their own issues. They're going to start Mason Rudolph at quarterback, not Mitchell Trubisky. They're going to be without both of their starting safeties. And we found out around here how important and big a deal that can be. With no Bon Bell and no Jesse Bates. Now, all of a sudden, Minka Fitzpatrick and Demont Kazee are out. Fitzpatrick had a knee injury against Indy over the weekend. While Kazee, you may have seen, has been suspended for the season. Suspended for any potential postseason games without pay. After that vicious hit on Colts receiver Michael Pittman Jr. Saturday night, KZ has violated player safety rules numerous times before, and the league has said enough is enough. The AFC North rivals collide this Saturday in Pittsburgh. Kickoff on NBC is at 430. We had Charlie Goldsmith with us yesterday for one question. And then all of a sudden, the lights went out in Georgia, as they like to say. That's a night that the lights went out in mm-hmm. Georgia. You guys know that song? I'm unfamiliar.
2: Who sings it, Tom?
1: Vicki Lawrence.
2: There you
1: go. Way before you guys were born. Anyway, uh, Charlie's going to come back and join us, and we are hoping our friends at Spectrum can deliver the goods. What is going on with the defending NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles? Three weeks ago, they're 10-1. and one. They look unbeatable. Now, all of a sudden, they've lost three in a row. Last night, 20-17 to 17 to Seattle. In what has become the year of the backup quarterback, Drew Locke, replacing the injured Geno Smith, found the former Buckeye, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba, a 29-yard touchdown pass. What a throw, what a catch. With 28 seconds to go, that capped a ninety-two yard drive against Philadelphia. Seahawks are back at five hundred. So Seattle sits at seven and seven. The Rams are seven and seven. And Minnesota is seven and seven. Now there are some six and eight teams still in the hunt. But right now of those three, only two of the three can reach the postseason. Tomorrow, a huge day for high school athletes all over the country. Men and women. It's national signing day. And of course that is huge news in the world of college football the top rated quarterback in the country dominic riola has flipped from georgia to officially nebraska that was on the heels of flipping from ohio state to georgia the buckeyes lost a four-star defensive lineman to miami of florida last night clemson apparently is trying to flip yet another buckeye recruit today Miami of Ohio head coach Chuck Martin will join us at 1030 to talk about the Red Hawks championship season. And we're going to ask him about the madness of signing day and the madness that is the transfer portal. College basketball, UC, are you going to be down tonight, Zebra? No, I will not. No, I will not. You've thrown in the towel on Wes Miller's team 10 games <laughs> into the year? Uh, the towel's not
3: in, but I, I'm aware of what's happening and it's not a good opponent with respect. Well, so, that
1: opponent is Merrimack. Do you know the Merrimack nickname? I. You couldn't pay me to know that nickname. <laughs> that 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 information should be locked away. It's the same as Marymount High School. I was Do you say, know it's what the that Warriors, right. is, right? It's the Exactly Warriors. right. The Warriors. They're five and six on the season. That game tonight at Fifth Third Arena, Indiana. After almost knocking off, and that's a big almost knocking off Kansas over the weekend, will be at home to Morehead State. All right. First things first. We got Chuck Martin coming up at ten thirty uh let's get right to it we thank all of you for being with us the many more thousands and thousands that are just jumping on board right now we say thanks jamar chase uh the bengals have played without him before they did last year for what three four weeks right yep and uh chase is having the best season of his career he's knocking on the door of 100 receptions he's knocking on the door of 1200 receiving yards he is if not the best receiver in the league i don't know who's better I mean, some say Justin Jefferson, I ain't buying it. I think Chase is better. But that's just me. Uh, and there are other great ones too. But without Jamar Chase, thoughts? You okay? I mean, I'm not saying you're okay. That, that's a wrong way of saying it. But do you feel like the way this team is playing right now, the different look? They won a game a couple of weeks ago where Chase only had three catches for 29 yards. Right. Right? Right, okay, so your thoughts without it Well, like
2: Jamar, even if he doesn't go for a hundred plus yards, even if we're not getting him the ball eight, nine, ten times in a game, at the very least, he's a distraction for the defense. without jamar Chase out there you you can focus a lot of defensive resources on the t Higgins, the tyler Boyds and and even our tight ends, like I don't think our tight ends. And, and they've been incredibly productive. Tanner Hudson, Irv Smith had a big catch last week, and and to a lesser extent, Drew Irv Samuel. Smith did. Yeah, he had a big catch last week. Did you watch? That's that? your guy. That was I huge. I just wanted you to
1: repeat that. Yeah, Irv Smith Jr. Ju- thank you. Right. Get it right.
2: Right. So, I don't think our tight ends have the success that they have without a lot of defensive resources being put on Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, because that, that's how that's what opens those guys up. So, yeah, it's a, it's, a little, it's a little more troublesome going into the Steelers game. I mean, you're playing a Steelers team that was 7-4 and four just three weeks ago after yep. they beat us, and they lost to two of the three worst teams in the league and the, the Arizona Cardinals and the New England Patriots and they just get blown out by the Indianapolis Colts. But I told my dad last night, my dad is never a fan that is like, dude, we're going to win. It's going to make it easy. Right. And he's like, dude, we're going to be Well, he's this. an old
1: coach. He's not taking stuff for granted.
2: Right. And last night, we are out to dinner, and he goes, Reed, why are you worried about the Steelers? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna blow them out. Wow! Elliott has his has his uh, life savings on the the Bengals this week. I'm a little I'm a little worried. Listen, maybe maybe I I just yesterday told told Bengals fans to shed the the yester years of Bengals fandom where it feels like everything's gonna gonna hit the fan every time things start going well. And I'm still a little traumatized from the Pittsburgh Steelers, from what Big Ben did to us for 10 years. No so doubt. So going to Pittsburgh is just a scary proposition. I don't care who their quarterback is. I don't care how they're playing. And now you're going to be without your star wide receiver. It makes it, it, makes it a very tough. It's a game that the Bengals should still win, but it certainly
3: makes it tougher. It makes it tougher, but at the same time, and we kind of alluded to it there, he threw it to 11 different guys on Sunday or Saturday. It's not, you know, it's, it's not out of the realm that we're still able to spread the rock around the field. Now, Jamar Chase does open the other receivers up. That's, that's what happens when you have an elite talent like mm-hmm. that. you got to double up Jamar. But I, th- I think we're fine. I, I, I really do. Establish the run game. Joe Mixon was still averaging four-something yards a carry. Get the run game going. Get Jake Browning in the screen game going. We're going to be fine.
1: Here's the only thing, you know, you you say that, and of course, you know, we've joked around a lot about it on the show, uh, quoting Zach Taylor himself when he was asked about, you know, facing Pittsburgh the last time, and, you know, it's tough sledding, and, you know, that's what you're going to get against the Steelers. Um, they got to run it at him this time, don't they, Casey? I mean, they got to mm-hmm. keep running, just pounding away at him, right? Because yeah. the Steelers have proven to be vulnerable at times, this, a lot of times, in fact, this year, against a run game.
0: I would have to agree with that. Um, Not only that, I mean, they, after the Bengals, the first week with the Bengals, uh, the first Bengals versus Steelers matchup, they had fired their offense coordinator. And I think maybe that had something to do with it too. You don't know what you're going to get with the new new combination. But the last three weeks have been even worse on offense. I mean, they are abysmal just against the – Colts last week, they only had 216 yards of offense, three turnovers. The week before that, they had 260 yards against the Patriots. Yep. And I believe they had a couple turnovers in that game as well. The Cardinals, they were only able to put up 10 points against the Cardinals. 10. We put up, what, 28 if you're taking away that one defensive touchdown? So I. this is a game that we should – and we said this uh, the week that we played them, this should be a game where we should be able to run the ball, should be able to put some points on them, and we should be able to stop this offense. We should. We should be able to stop this offense.
1: Well, but the one thing they do well is run the ball. They have two very, very good running backs. Uh, And we saw Minnesota, I mean, they had the kid over the weekend that was filling in for their injured regular running back, Alexander Madison who had a career day. Every time you turned around, it seemed like he wasn't touched until he got three, four, five yards past the line of scrimmage. I would not be surprised, especially now down to your third-string quarterback. I mean, i got to believe that Mike Tomlin's walking in that room and saying, boys, we better run it 40 or 50 times in this game. Right? Right. Isn't that what you would do?
0: Yeah, well, I would, especially with the injury to DJ Reader. I mean, you want to say something, Reed?
2: Yeah, I was just going to say the Cincinnati Bengals are 28th In rushing defense. They're giving up 130 yards a game. And, oh, yeah, they just lost their starting nose guard, who was a big piece. And if there was any stopping, any plugging of the run game, it would be DJ Reader at the forefront of that one. So, yeah, the the, the Pittsburgh Steelers – in, in, a, in a late, mid, late December game, they're going to absolutely try to run the ball on us. And we should try to do that against them. I mean, this game might only be two and a half hours. I mean, it, it's just going to be a ground and pound game because both teams struggle against our, running the ball. The Bengals are kind of finding their legs as, a, as an offensive team running the ball. And, and, and certainly Pittsburgh should, should try to try to just run it down our throat with the injuries that the Bengals have had and, and even the woes that they've had all season long.
1: Um, it was asked in the chat, uh, and we'll ask uh, Charlie Goldsmith about this a little bit later on. But, you know, it, it, it's sort of interesting. You, since Higgins has gotten back the last few games, and look, he, he's done really nothing all year long. I mean, he's not had a good year. And he's a good dude. I think we all mm-hmm. agree that he is an easy guy to root for. He's been a heck of a player for this franchise. He's had a great career, great start to his career, only four, four years in. But this year has been a disaster he's dropped balls he's been hurt he's tried to play through injuries and you certainly respect him for that but the drops even started again the very first throw of the game last week and then when you needed him the most there he was there he was first play of the fourth quarter great throw touchdown corner of the end zone and then the play that everybody continues to talk about falling out of bounds a wherewithal to spin hold the ball out breaks a plane touchdown you tie the game um you know he he'll show up ready to go here's my question though you look at your guy downtown charlie jones another guy who's been basically non-existent in the return game outside of one play non-existent certainly in terms of offense he he's been hurt fair yoshi looked like he was coming along there early in the year mm-hmm. had back to back games where he had a touchdown reception was getting more and more playing time then he got hurt Haven't heard anything from him. Trent Irwin, the last couple of years, has done a lot of good things for this team. I mean, this dude has stepped up in a lot of games and made some big plays. But we never call his name anymore, right? Which of those three guys gets the snaps for Jamar Chase this week, in your opinion? Or am I missing somebody? I, yeah, I don't. It, first off, I don't know who's, who's going. No one can replace what
2: Jamar Chase does for this offense, but certainly it's going to be a mix of, of Charlie Jones, Yoshi, and, and Trenton Irwin to, to fill in the snaps. They all do something a little differently, right? Like, uh, Charlie Jones has a lot of speed. That's why he is returning punts. That's why he's a vertical threat. Much to, like, what Jamar Chase was his rookie year. Right. Um, Trent Irwin has the veteran experience, and he's come in and plugged these holes time and time again. He's made some really nice plays, some, some memorable plays for the Cincinnati Bengals over the past few years. Then there's been Yoshi. And a lot of people are high on Yoshi, and you understand why. The athleticism's there. Yep. The athleticism is undoubtedly there. Can you figure out ways to, to get him some more snaps, get him open, um, maybe put a little more – hopefully the Steelers put a little more pressure on T. Higgins, and that will allow um, Yoshivas to, to get open. I don't know if any one person is going to, to take all of Jamar's snaps. I think it's going to be a, a by-committee thing to kind of replace what's the old money ball thing. We'll, we'll do it in the aggregate. That's
1: what the Cincinnati Bengals are going to do. That's a big word. Aggregate? I don't think that shows ever that that word has ever been used. <laughs> on, <laughs> off the, it might be used on, uh, you know, it might be used uh, periodically. Whether you're doing, you know, Chatterbox Bengals, right? Like you were the other day, right? Uh, but I got to tell you, that's a big league word. Go ahead. Didn't mean to interrupt. I know that. Was, when that was when that things was, like that happen, it throws me off around here.
2: I'll, I'll try to keep the the vocabulary yeah, to, to a ninth sim- grade yes, level. Ohio
1: University, simple. It's
2: fair, fair. That's the final point I was going to make is I don't think that it's going to be one person replacing Jamar Chase because that's an impossible ask to ask a, a veteran and, and two rookies. But certainly they're going to have all three of them taking snaps and doing different things to kind of
3: um, replicate what Jamar Chase does for this team. Uh, yeah, I'm going to take Yoshi. I, listen, I, I don't think anybody can replace him like Reed just said there. But I think I think Yoshi is capable of making some big catches on yep. the stretch. Charlie, I, respect, respect to Charlie. Uh, that route, I wasn't a big fan of. The one where – it's not his fault. I'm not saying it's his fault. All his fault. He was wide open. He was wide, he was wide open. open. What do you well, not like that route? <laughs> it seemed like he slowed up a little bit.
1: Yep, don't kidding. leave your feet.
3: It seemed like he slowed up a little bit. I'm just saying. Uh, That's I, my hair, but the route. I'm just, I'm just saying. My pick would be Yoshi. That's my pick.
1: OK, well, we're going to find out because uh, I, I, I think, Reed, you're on to something. I, I think that, you know, in fact, I think that when T. Higgins was out, if I'm not mistaken, um, Charlie Goldsmith, who will join us later on today to talk more about everything going on down in Bengal land, the injuries to Reeder and Ivy done for the year, uh, the chase situation, where all that's going. But I recall him saying when, when, when Higgins was out that, like you sort of just mentioned, that, that uh, you know, there are certain situations where they might like Yoshi better. Right. There might situations where they like Jones better. There might be a third and five or a third and four where you know they bracket they being the Steelers. Maybe they'll they'll bracket Higgins, they'll bracket Boyd, and then Irwin just slips inside against a zone, and then all of a sudden you get a seven-yard pickup, move the chains, in comes Jones, in comes Yoshi.
2: Yeah, it's, it's T Higgins is a he has a skill that. No other wide receiver on this team, even, even close to replicates, and that is his ability to go up and, and get the high point of the ball. I mean, Jamar Chase can, can certainly make those plays, but nothing like T. Higgins can do. So when T. Higgins is out, that's, that's just a, a piece of the game that's going to be gone. Jamar Chase does everything incredible right? He route runs, he can go up and get the ball, get open, speed, all the things, but you can kind of replicate all the things he does with different players. When T. Higgins is out that that's one skill that's just gone from the team, and you can't get that back, so.
1: Do you have anything to add to that? You look like you were getting ready to say something. No, I missed I, I, miss I was, something there?
3: No, I was I, I was. Are not. you
1: looking at potential bets for later tonight? No,
3: I'm, not, I'm just, I, I'm just keeping, keeping the chat in line. But I agree with Reid. Uh, all
1: this chat is about Molly being real, which we know is not true. Brian and I have already discussed this. So all of a sudden, a new profile picture shows up of Molly. And, I mean, this whole thing is it, it's, it's a big joke on Tom. But that's okay. <laughs> Brian has figured it out. I have figured it out. She Did you it. win any money last night? Do you have any any action last night? There was nothing. It, it, well, no, there was a Monday night football game. I take that back. Tom, I had gave out the pick of the millennium That's yesterday.
3: That's true. He's 2-0 and on not picks the year. And not one person in, in our chatterbox group chat wrote it. What not, are you talking not about? Not one person What did you give out? It. I gave out the under in the game because I thought it was either going to be a uh, hurt Geno Smith right. or Drew Locke, who's respectfully, I, I'm you know, not very good. Or it's Jalen Hurts, who's playing sick. And I said, how are points going to be scored in this game on a rainy night in Seattle? Yep. And no – to my credit, there were no not, not that many points scored, so my bet is it. it's good. I mean, I've, and nobody and nobody in the chat wrote it, but I it took wrote Seahawks it. Seahawks money line, so I'm getting.
0: I wrote it. You
1: did? Yeah. No, he so didn't. So you totally. won a little money last night.
0: No, I totally did. Didn't, right? I did win a little money. You did? Yeah, won enough money to to get me like a
1: Elliot was a couple
0: obs- couple uh, dollar menu fries from McDonald's.
2: Elliot was <laughs> upset that Casey didn't put more money on his pick.
3: He, he didn't put, put any money on it. It
0: was I, that's all I had was my $5
1: free bet, and you laughed at me.
3: Yeah, because that's not That's money. all I
1: had to give. That's a wager. How much, what kind of dough did you win last night, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, baby. I'll go by units. I won. Units?
3: I won four units yesterday. Is that good? Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, anytime you win, it's good.
3: A unit is your standard bet size. So he okay. went four times what he's standard.
1: Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, you you look at that game last night. I'm curious. You know, we've seen the Vikings. Well, we've seen all these teams on television at one point in time or another. But seen the Vikings in person. Seen Seattle in person very early in the year when Geno was healthy and playing well. And I mentioned that uh, those two teams – and why am I forgetting the third one we had in the monologue in in the NFC that are 7 The Rams. The Rams. And we saw them early in the year. Um, which of those three teams would have a chance for you guys to make any noise in the postseason whatsoever?
2: Oh, it's clearly the, the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. I think they've got the best quarterback out of, out of those three teams that you met. I think they got the best coach. And, they're, you know, it's an older roster. Well, there's veteran pieces and there's young pieces for the Rams. But, yeah, it's clearly the Rams. They just have had inconsistent play this year. But um, they're not quite the, the Bills because I think everyone that is going to win a division in the AFC don't want to play the Buffalo Bills. The Rams aren't quite that, yeah. but certainly if there's – out of all the wildcard teams in the NFC, the one you don't want to draw is the Los Angeles yeah. Rams playing good football at this very time.
3: I think you're right. Yeah, they figured out their run game. Kyron Williams is a beast. They got Puka Nakua as probably the greatest number two in football as of this second to Cooper Cup. So, yeah, I, I, the Rams are scary. And they got Aaron Donald. Yep. If there was one team – and I don't think it will happen. If there was one team that was going to challenge the 49ers, it's the Rams. Really? It's the Rams. Well, they play them. They play
1: him tough. I mean, they McVay had yep. the record against you know whatever. It's something stupid against Kyle Shanahan. It's like insane if I'm not mistaken, right? Or is it the other way around?
3: It. Uh, I think. I think. I think Shanahan owns. Uh, Shanahan
1: owns the Rams. McVay. Okay, yes. I, I, it was one way. But or it's the other. Close. all the games are closed. Well, and that's the thing. When you get when you get postseason games, and we saw it with Baltimore here last year. That's a thing to keep an eye on as you move into the postseason. I know we're still, you know, four weeks away from that. But when you get divisional matchups during the regular season most times, and certainly during the playoffs, when you get those matchups, they tend to be very, very close games. In fact, most teams who are the higher seed that are the favorite, they don't want to play more times than not, a team in their own division. Because you know them inside and out. You play them twice a year. You know every guy's strengths and weaknesses and what you can do, what they can't do, who tends to run out of steam as the game goes on, who gets better as the game goes on, who's a gamer and who's not a gamer. When you play teams twice a year, every year, and yes, some of the faces change, but most of the big time guys are there for a while. Look at Baltimore here last year. They had no business being in that game against Cincinnati last year. No, none. Yeah, look,
2: look at last year with the Dolphins and the Bills. Yeah, Dolphins on a third-string quarterback. Can you even remember who it
1: was, Tom? Boy, now you, now you got me here. It wasn't Teddy Bridgewater because he no. was out. No, it was Skylar uh, Thompson. Wow, I would have never remembered
2: Skylar that Thompson, and they beat the thirteen and or they had a chance to beat the thirteen and three Buffalo Bills. Yeah. in Buffalo. Yeah, you don't want to play it. You don't want to play a division. Right?
1: No, I mean, it'd be like if Minnesota sneaks in, and I know they're going to play, I think, Detroit this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. Now, that's with Mullins at quarterback, and I get it, okay? But, but still, uh, you know, the Lions, they've had their – I mean, it, in other words, those are the kinds of games that most of the time the favorite would, would, would much rather play if you're the uh, – if you're the Ravens, you would much rather play Indianapolis – Houston, somebody like that, than you would the Browns or the Bengals in the opening game of the playoffs. That's right. Yeah, yeah. And and we're going to get some of those, the way this thing's starting to shake out. You know, I want somebody to tell me before we get to Chuck Martin, because this is something I can't figure out. I was reading The Athletic today, and they were walking through the playoff chances and the odds. How do we get, and, and I sincerely mean this, and maybe nobody in this room knows the answer to this question, how do we get where nate silver we used him as an example because we quoted his stuff with the new york times okay even though that's fake news but with with him saying and he's mathematical guy through and through whether you like him don't like him think his stuff is good not good you know he told us last week going into the game the bengals had a 25 percent chance to make the playoffs they won the game they jumped to 35 percent okay in the athletic today It still has the Bengals' chances of reaching the playoffs at 14%. How do we have such a huge disparity in these models? It's above my pay scale. Right. I don't get it.
2: Math is, well, like when you do these models— Because I
1: thought math was supposed to be exact stuff.
2: Correct. Well, it is. It it depends on what you put into your model, right? Because all these are based off of our simulations, Right? You, right, you simulate the games in front of you, and you see how it shakes out. And currently, if you look at New York Times, it says that the Bengals have a thirty-seven percent chance to make the postseason. And if the they
1: season. win this week, it jumps to fifty-four percent.
2: Right, it goes, it goes um, drastically up. But that all depends on the information that you put on for each team, right? Okay. So, like the, the Buffalo Bills, who are eight and six and have a seventy percent chance to make a, the postseason, while the Bengals are. Eight and six with a forty percent chance to make the postseason. Part of the reason is is because whatever information that they're putting behind the Buffalo Bills thinks that they're much better than the Cincinnati Bengals. Which I mean, you can see that happening before your eyes. But that's that's the reason that there's such a drastic disparity between depending on which site you go to is just the information that they're putting behind the teams going into the simulations.
1: I don't get it. Yeah, I still don't get it. I, I mean, know. I, you know, obviously, you like you said, the information you're putting in, you're saying that Buffalo is going to win and one of these are going to win three in a row. Right. And in other ones, you're saying the Bengals are going to go one and two or two and one right. or whatever it might be. Uh, but, man, I, I just have a hard time keeping up with it. Uh, and, and really, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean anything, but it's fun for all of us to play that game, right? Yeah. You keep hope
2: alive. Right. I I was talking on Box Lunch yesterday about – I'm hearing all these people, these Bengals fans, talking about playoff scenarios. And I said, hey, don't worry too much about playoff scenarios. There's so much stuff that has to shake out over the next couple weeks. The only thing that really matters is can the Bengals beat the Steelers? Can the Bengals beat the Browns? Can the Bengals beat the Chiefs? Everything else, you kind of got to let it lay where it is. Though, as you just mentioned, it's a lot of fun to go like, what if we win this game? What if they win this game? It's part of the – of being a fan, I just implore people not to do that. So, yeah, I don't know. It's a lot. Lot has to shake out over the next couple of weeks, Tom.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, we got a lot of people jumping in on different. And, and thank you, by the way. It is Shanahan that owns McVeigh. In that, I knew it was one or the other. I couldn't remember exactly which one it was. Uh, Shanahan's owned just about everybody. Yes. Does
2: a Does a division have better coaches than the NFC West? Between well I means. You've got McVay, Shanahan, Pete Carroll. Who's the fourth that I'm missing? Who's the fourth NFC? Uh, Down in Arizona. Brand new coach. Okay, so you don't know about it. But yeah, that, that three, Pete Carroll. Super Bowl winning yeah, coach. Yeah, well, John I mean, McVay. in that
1: division, you have two Super Bowl winning head coaches.
2: And then you've got one that's that's leading a, a monster of a team in the 49ers.
1: Well, and you have two in the AFC North Super AFC. Bowl winning yeah, head coaches. Yeah, that's right. AFC North has good coaches Yeah, very well. good coaches. Right, who's so probably good.
2: going to be the coach of the year. They've got three very good ones. John yeah. Harbaugh and Mike Tomlin, who have won Super Bowls. And then Zach Taylor, who's the best of the lot.
1: Well, I'll tell you who's the best <laughs> of the lot this year in the uh, Mid-American Conference, and it breaks my heart to say it. I'm a big fan of this guy. I'm a big fan of Chuck Martin. He's a Chicago guy through and through, but he's been the head coach for the Miami RedHawks going all the way back to 2014. And what an unbelievable year they had this year! They won the MAC East, meeting, beating my beloved Ohio University Bobcats on the road, and then they beat Toledo in the MAC title game. Chuck Martin, are you getting your steps in today? Is that what you're doing there, my
4: man? We are. Hey, so we're starting the New Year's resolution early. It's been a long season, and uh, not not in great shape right now. So me and my son said today's – well, actually, we were starting yesterday, but we failed yesterday. We're 0 for 1, so today we're actually starting.
1: Well, you can join the club on that. There are a lot of people that say they're starting January 1st and they're hurting a little bit from the night before, so they start January the 2nd. So you and your son, you're good. Hey, congratulations on this year. Uh, can, can you put into words the way this season – I mean, you beat UC early in the year. You lose your quarterback. Your backup comes in. He does an incredible job. Then he decides he's transferring. You go into the bowl game. I'm not worried about the bowl game so much. Maybe you still
4: are. But what a year, right, Coach? Yeah, no, it was an amazing year. We, we really had high expectations. We kind of felt like us, OU, and Toledo going in we're going to be – and then we had Toledo and OU back-to-back weeks, which we didn't love when we saw the schedule, kind of knowing those two weeks. So, you know, obviously great overtime win against Cincinnati. First time we won the bell in a long time. Um, we're 6-1. and one. We're rolling pretty good. We're in a tight game with Toledo and our quarterback snaps his leg. We end up losing that game 21-17 and it's kind of like a black clouds now over the season and what are we going to do? And you got OU Lumen next week on the road and they're good enough with your starter, let alone. And the, the amazing thing about that game, they jumped on us 9 nothing, kind of kicked us when we were down. And our kids stormed back and scored 30 straight points. And um, we went pretty comfortably against a really, really good team. Uh, so. Got a chance for redemption against Toledo. No one really gave us a chance and uh, really hard fought. Our defense and special teams were amazing all year and really, really turned it up another notch when our quarterback went down. And then, like you said, Avion came in and fought his tail off for his teammates. And we got enough done running and throwing uh, to win five straight with your backup quarterbacks. Pretty amazing. Yeah,
1: it really is. Uh, it, It was just an unbelievable year up there. Now, you've got signing day coming up. Um, are you like continuing around the clock right now just to make sure the kids who told you they're coming, they're not flipping something else? Are you on the phone all day? Are you texting guys all day? How does that work for a head coach in college football the night before signing day?
4: Yeah, we pretty much talk to all our kids. The the tough thing is if, if somebody's going to flip tomorrow, they're not telling us anyway. So we do do it. It's you're trying to babysit them and make sure they still like you, but you don't know until they flip it's not like they say coach i'm really thinking about flipping i'm gonna give you a chance to talk me out of it yeah so even though we do talk to them you just kind of wait and hope and pray and uh that all the things that they believed in your program and your school uh stays true to the end obviously if you're not a power five you're always worried that some power five is going to swoop in and steal some of your guys and that's that's just the nature of the beast there's nothing you can do to control it so Uh, We'll be very happy at about 7.05 tomorrow morning when all the signatures are in, and then you can actually realize, okay, these kids are at least going to be with you for a year. It used to be when you signed them, you felt really good that they're going to be with you for a while, but now at the portal, we just got them for, you know, 365 days, and you see what happens after that.
1: You know, I'm, I'm curious, Coach, do, do you see a bump as the season goes on when you have the kind of season that you have as far as kids that maybe were sort of, you know, two or three schools out there, not sure what to do. They're watching you guys win, 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 seemingly every week. Do you see a bump or not really? They're man, either sold on the school yes, no, and man, you in the
4: program or not. No, you 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 hit the nail on the head. You, It's totally different when you have this kind of year. Not only those kids that are on the fringe that, hey, it's down to you and a couple other schools, a lot of times you move to the head of the class, but you start getting calls from kids that it kind of, you know, you didn't make their top five. And all of a sudden, Coach, you're still interested and you're laughing like, yeah, we were always there. You're the one that dumped us. You know? but, <laughs> so maybe, maybe a couple of schools in their top five are not having those kind of years. You know, or their coaches are getting let go. So, it, 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 you hit the nail on the head. When you have this kind of year, the end of the year recruiting goes really well for you, and it doesn't matter non-power five, power five. Uh, it's it's a big it's a big boon for you. There's there's been some kids that have reached out to us that we thought were long gone that we're now battling down to the wire to get.
1: I'm curious, coach. You're walking around there in the Ben Roethlisberger practice center. There, I mean, that's a big league setup you got there. The indoor practice facility, all that kind of thing. Are you starting to sense that maybe, you know, I asked you about the kids. What about the kids that are in school there at Miami? Are you starting to see that that maybe some of the student body is now starting to get behind the football program again?
4: Did I lose you? Yeah, I just, I I got another call. I I it down, but that's but okay. It,
1: that's I, okay. I, I'm curious. Are you seeing the student body start to get some some momentum again back behind the football program?
4: Yes. 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 And w- winning makes a difference. Obviously, yep. winning early. Yep. Uh, the tough thing here is we play such a tough non-league schedule that a lot of times we don't start the year off very good, even though we've got a really good MAC team. Uh, and you know, when you start the year good, that builds momentum. If you start the year bad, it a lot of times by the time we had MAC play, everybody's already kind of turned off. When you're one and three or two and two, so. Because we beat UC and we start off three and one, we got rolling totally different this year on campus. Um, you know, we came back from the UC game. We drove up through Uptown and let all the kids off Uptown. And it, it literally looked like Mardi Gras. And everybody was yelling and screaming and cheering. And it's something that our kids haven't felt to that volume. And then even as we run to the MAC championship, it just got bigger and bigger every week. And the more of the talk, whether it be on campus or in a classroom or at a restaurant, everybody, the buzz. As you know, winning. Winning's winning. When you win, people get excited, and it's been really, really fun. Not just for players, but for everybody involved in our program this year because everybody's been really into Miami football.
1: All right, look, I want to ask you a couple more questions, and we'll let you get back to your son and and get your steps in today. But I'm curious. Look, when you have the kind of year like you've had, you've been at Miami since 2014. And look, success is measured differently among each and every person. I look at my alma mater, Frank Solich, right? He got a chance to come there, he stayed there forever. He could have had a chance to leave. He liked where he was, he was building a program. He had his stamp on the program. You're doing that at Miami. Uh, But you've also been to the quote unquote top of the mountain. I mean, you were at Notre Dame. Uh, you've been some other places. You won national championships before you moved up to Division I coaching. You know, do, do, does a guy in your position have to fight the battle all the time of you have a year like this and all of a sudden other people want to talk to you?
4: Yeah, well, again, it's the nature of the pieces. as you know, this, this coaching profession. You're either, you're either getting hired or you're getting fired is what everybody says. Is one or yeah. the other. You're not – especially nowadays, you know. But I was saying, you know this as well as me, like – I've moved twice in the last 24 years, which in the coaching profession is almost unheard of. You talked about Frank and, and what he did at OU. And I don't know that I'm a lifer here, but I know I'm not one that really looks for jobs. If if I always say if the Bears call, I'm running, you know, but every time they change coaches every two years, they've never called me. So uh, it, there's a job that we'd all leave for. But my my history tells you that I'm not one that's always marketing, trying to find the next job. I'm at a great place. I love my team. I love my coaches. Uh, We can win here and have success. And what we did in Ford Field two weeks ago, you know, that's a hard feeling to get in this sport. You know, there's 10 conference champions. Would I like to be in the final four? Yeah. But outside the final four, the next best feeling in college football is dogpiling on Ford Field, knowing that you're one of 10 conference champions. And we just experienced it. So um, I probably don't look or market as much as most people. Uh, But, again, there's a payday out there that we'd all leave our job for. Just everybody knows that. So uh, but ten ten years at Grand Valley and ten years at Miami, there ain't many people that say they've had two ten-year runs at, at, at two different schools. That's pretty rare in college football.
1: Well, Coach, I'm just so happy for you. I mean, like I said, it, it, there's a part of me that really hurts to say it because I am a bobcat through and through. But, man, you've done a hell of a job up there. And uh, and I am really happy that everything came together for you. And I wish you nothing but the, the very, very best. And I hope it's right there at Miami of Ohio. But if it's somewhere else, God bless you, man. Have a Merry Christmas, and thanks for your time today.
4: You too, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: Okay. Chuck Martin, head coach of the Miami Redhawks. That's a big league operator right there.
2: Listen, book times. I mean, had- he
1: makes me actually like Miami a little bit. That dude. We had him on last year. He was unbelievable. This year, he's getting his steps in. Makes me like him even more.
2: You f- you'd fit in more in Oxford than not. You'd not really. No, yes, no definitely. Try. I definitely yes, not. You would.
1: No, I am an OU kind of guy. I don't think so. T-shirts, jeans. I think lid.
3: A, I think you're a high new couple guy. dude.
1: Couple couple cold Miller High That ain't Miami, brother. That's right. That ain't Miami. That's your crowd. That's not my crowd, It is Tom. definitely your crowd. No, it ain't. Do you drink high noons from time to time, yay or nay? They don't drink them in, uh, in Athens. I can guarantee you they do, Tom. No, I can guarantee yep. you might run into a female or two that drinks them, and I'll concede that. But you know, no, no, none of the real men at Ohio University <laughs> are walking around drinking high noons. They might have a little MD-2020 which you probably mad never dog. heard of. Mad dog. Little yeah. mad dog. They might dad. have that before a pregame. A little fireball kind of thing. That seems to be the young people saying. Although, did you see the story yesterday about the woman who's 105 years old in Ohio? Yeah. You see that story? Yeah. She Every single
2: day. That's, a, that's the secret. Fireball. That's the secret, Tom. Listen, you you bring Tanked up, up. You bring no up all, these, all these alcohols. I went to a, a Mennonite Institute of Higher Learning, Bluffton University, which we weren't allowed to drink at. So I don't Within know any- why
1: in the world would anybody think about going to school there, but go ahead.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How disrespectful to the Bluffton Beavers, but listen, I just, I, I, you bring up all these alcohols. I don't, I, they, they go over my head. I don't know what you're talking about. No high noons, no mad dog. None of that. We were focused. That on was then I'm talking
1: about now. You are a Miami kind of guy.
3: Not true. I grew up.
1: Elliot for sure is a Miami kind of guy. I'm a Toledo guy. no. Yeah, You're you are
3: me. a Miami guy.
1: You walk through those
3: bars in your collared t-shirts and your khaki shorts. Collared
1: t-shirts—is that such a thing? Collared t-shirts? Sure, it sure it sure is. A and collared t-shirt? It sure
3: is. And you'll walk. What up. is a
1: collared t-shirt?
3: It's a it's a t-shirt I, with a collar. I think he means
1: polos. You mean like a like yeah? A you mean like shirt? a golf shirt? Yeah. It's a not coll- a collared t-shirt. Is, is, is Let me ask you this: Is there a collar on that shirt or not? It, then it's called a collared shirt. That's what I said. No, you said collared t-shirt. Are you guys Are you guys kidding around with me right now? No. It's a collared shirt. It's a
3: collared.
2: What shirt. I have on right here is a t-shirt. Shirt. That's a style. I'd of like
1: shirt. to say we had somebody in this professional or ex-professional operation that walked in from, <laughs> from time to time with a collared shirt on. I have one hanging up over there. It's standing up. It's been so long since it's been clean. But uh, yeah, that, those are called collared shirts. Ohio University. You don't see, see as You know. Ma- by the way, in that's, fact how it is not, that's how you know it's about 5 that, to 1 on a daily basis. It might be even larger than that. So, maybe that's like how you know 7, eight, I'm, ten to 1. Collared this, this shirts is, at Miami compared to collared shirts at Ohio University. This is yeah, how this is how you know I'm not one of these people.
2: That's, that's people. what I that's what I'm saying, Tom. You're I you're trying to it. be the blue-collar jeans and t-shirt guy, but you're you're lecturing on us on on high fashion. But, uh, much like, High fashion. Much, High fashion. much like the Miami University guys okay. up there in Oxford.
1: Well, Molly, who we know is fake, oh says God. that she went to school there and she never uh, quite fit in.
2: I spent a lot of time in Oxford, Ohio. It's a good town.
1: It is. Now that I'll give you. It we, we, is a good town. We
2: we we're going to broadcast their softball and baseball games again this year.
1: I know it. Mr. Moe's mad at me about my slam of Bluffton.
2: He went to Bluffton. He's a beaver. He was there for a year, so he was a coward, but. He didn't like the mennonite education
1: you know I, I loved what uh coach martin just said there because he was brutally honest when asked about other jobs uh, he i don't know if anybody's asked him that question maybe right. they have you know they don't get a lot of press because just of where they're located and what's around them it's not some big booming media metropolis up there in oxford and, and here in Cincinnati, you've got people covering UC, you got people covering Xavier, you got people, you know. They don't send a beat writer anymore at the say Cincinnati.com to Ohio State, but you've got Kentucky, you got to cover, and you know. And then when you get to basketball, you throw in NKU, you got Dayton, you got to So, you know, Miami doesn't get a lot of media pub. Uh, and in fact, I think there are very few people. If you walked around and asked them who was the MAC conference champion this year, they would even know it. Doesn't matter who it is, whether it's Miami, OU, Toledo, whatever. But, you know, I, I thought he was very honest there in, in, in saying that, hey, look, you know, he had all the incredible success. For those of you that don't know, you heard him reference Grand Valley. That is where Brian Kelly was and won multiple championships, national championships. Chuck Martin took his place there and won two national championships. He lost seven games in like 10 years. Stupid stuff, Right. So at that level, I mean, this is Saban-esque kind of stuff. And then, you know, he goes to Notre Dame. He's there for two years, then gets hired as a head coach, Division I first time at Miami. He's been there since 2014, man. And they've they've been kicked around a lot of those years. And yet you keep grinding. You keep putting in the time like they do in his staff. And it pays off on a year like this. You heard him talk about his recruits. And all of a sudden, kids have pretty much thrown in the time. Ah, Miami now. Now all of a sudden, they're calling him up. Hey, you still interested? That's the kind of guy, and I have said this a thousand times before in different sports. When you have guys like Brian Kelly or Chuck Martin, and there are others that are now succeeding at Division One, mm-hmm. that have been at the Division Two level, and all they do is win and kick, tail, and take names. I would be more inclined to hire that guy as a roll of the dice in my head football coach than I would some of these young hot shots that all of a sudden come walking in the door, right? And they did this at this place. They were offensive coordinator. Look how long it took Steve Sarkeesian to do anything. He was the big hot shot offensive coordinator for Pete Carroll a million years ago, him and Lane Kiffin. Sarkeesian gets a job at Washington, and, I mean, doesn't do anything. Now he had his demons battling alcohol and all that kind of thing, and he's an alcoholic, talks about it openly and honestly. So, you know, you have to believe that that had something to do with maybe his laughing success. But that's a huge job, Washington, and he didn't do anything there. Then he comes down to Texas. They've not won a, a, a conference championship since, what, 2009? And they finally win one this year. Lane Kiffin. What's Lane Kiffin done? I mean, he stirs up the, the pot, and I think he's a really smart coach. I think he's a great offensive mind. But, I mean, look at some of the jobs that dude has had. Right? Yeah. USC, uh, Tennessee, at least for a little while. Tennessee to USC, right? Somewhere right. else for a little while, and now at Ole Miss. What's that? He, he
2: was at the Raiders, right? Or-
1: UCF, right? Wasn't Lane Kiffin? Well, yeah, he also coached in, in the NFL. NFL. Yeah, right. yeah, 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 yeah. I forgot about that. But I'm saying, you know, I at the, after about two of those stops, if I were an old Miss or I were a fill-in-the-blank, I'd be thinking to myself, why not take a chance on a guy who's actually won somewhere and won a lot? Yeah, it's – I'm never
2: going to try to be the college football expert, but generally speaking, there's two different ways that you can go about hiring a new coach, and that is getting the guy, as you said, that has won a lot at a lower division, right? Or a lower lower yep. tier team, like like teams do, like someone is successful, like Brian Kelly in the Mac. He goes to UC, successful at UC, then he gets Notre Dame's job. Yep. And you keep working up the ladder. The other way, and I think that a lot of teams are kind of going this way now, is uh, is you take someone that's been around a, a top-tier program, a young guy that can recruit, because we all know recruiting's the name of the game in college football. You got to get the guys there, and then the next step would be to coach them up. And that's where the Lane Kiffin's come from, right? This young, handsome guy that's that, right. that can get you in and, and, and can get it. That's why Lincoln Riley has been so successful in places he's been, is because you know he can get the recruits, he can get the top, he can get the quarterbacks, right? He can get the, the top guys. So that's the different ways. It was interesting when you at, when you talked to Chuck Martin about you know taking a, a new job, and that's because when when you when those guys are in those positions, they have two options, right? When they're asked, hey, are you ever going to take a, a higher job? Are you going to take a bigger job? They have two options. One is to lie and say, listen, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm, I'm, I'm a Red Hawk for life and something like that. Or you can be completely honest. As we all know, they think, hey, I mean, if Ohio State comes calling, yeah. I'd be a fool not to take the job. Right. And that's essentially what he said. He's like, listen, if, if, if a job if a job comes my way, then then yeah. But I'm happy where I'm at. We're, we're winning a lot of games. So it is interesting to see how different coaches take that approach when asked that question.
1: Yeah. Um, should I get you started on Spectrum today? No, not yet. Not yet. But you if should. the show
3: comes crumbling down, don't worry, I will.
1: Because a lot of people in the chat want me to ask you about it. And, and I'm not quite sure you know, what they're getting at. I don't know if they want to raise your blood pressure a little bit like <laughs> we saw yesterday. Um, okay, we're going to have uh, Charlie Goldsmith coming up at 11. Do we want to do our uh, – Picks from last week in our Power Five, before him or after him.
2: What if we get our ads in? Okay, and then we do Charlie, and then we'll we'll wrap up the show with power rankings and our picks. Okay, that sound good.
1: Uh, one final word from me. You know, looking at this national signing day, I you know I'm kind of curious before we get to the ads because I mentioned in the monologue there, and it's happening everywhere. It's not just happening at Ohio State, but it's happening everywhere. But yesterday, four-star defensive lineman flips. From Ohio State to Miami of Florida. All the news today that Clemson is going to be banging the drum on another young man who's committed to Ohio State, trying to get him to flip to Clemson. And I don't care if it's Ohio State, whoever it is, doesn't make any difference. I just read more about them than some of the others. But I talked about the Ryola kid who originally committed to Ohio State, flips to Georgia, right? You Mm -hmm. knew that Kirby Smart was honest with him. You knew it. When he said, hey, look, Beck, the kid from last year where we didn't lose till the SEC championship game, he's coming back. He announced that yesterday. So you know he had to tell Raiola that. So Raiola says, all right, no problem. Not Ohio State, not Georgia. I'm going to Nebraska, where his dad was a great player. It probably pays a lot of money And 99% of the time, it's probably a very rewarding uh, and ethical sort of position. But would you like to be that guy that picks up the phone and starts calling high school kids who have already made a commitment to go play somewhere else to try to talk them into flipping the day before they actually sign a document? Would you want that job? No.
3: No, that, that seems, it seems sketchy.
2: My, my brother is a head baseball coach, right, at a, at, a, at a D2 college. So clearly not on the same level of, of what we're talking about. And without a doubt, every time I ask him, hey, how's the job going? How's the team going? He's like, man, i got to tell you, recruiting just wears you out. Oh, yeah. You know? It wears you out. And, and some people are made for it, right? That's right. Some, some salesmen, some some guys, you know, we mentioned the Lane Kiffins, the Lincoln Rileys of the world, that they can talk you into doing anything. He could sell beachfront property in Columbus. They're same made it. for it. Same it. They're, they're he's made unbelievable for it. at it, right. right? Made for it. Other people, my my brother, he's kind of a no nonsense guy. He's like, dude, it kills me, like ha- having to talk, like just doing all this recruiting stuff kills me. I know personally, never would want to, re- never would want a college job where, where you'd have to recruit people. It just seems tiring. It's just not something I was made for.
1: Yeah, so. and then after a guy, young young man makes a mistake, and look, you got to do your job. I mean, you're getting paid to bring people into Clemson or being at Alabama or Division two. It doesn't matter. You still got to recruit players. But, man, it just seems like that'd be a tough deal to all of a sudden go talk some dude out of the day before he's already made a commitment. I don't know. Am I overreacting to that? I'm not really reacting. But, I mean, am I wrong on that? Or is it just everybody's got a job to do? We're all in the same boat and have at it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, that's what I would say. It's just I, everything is fair in love and war, right? Ooh. So. Wow. Ooh. Did you just come up with that? No.
1: <laughs> that, is, that was big league after both for this time. <laughs> what the hell was so funny? This
2: show's goofy. Tom, if Ryan Day asked you to be a, one of his head Oh, right out, now. Right, right now <laughs> I'm gone. I'm out the door.
1: I'm leaving here right now. I'm on my way to Columbus up 71. Do you think, do you think coaches now hate it more than ever? Do you oh, think there's they no let, doubt.
3: Or do you, think, do you think there's anybody that likes it now?
1: There's somebody what? out there that likes it, but most of them are echo what Reed and his brother says to him. Most of them will tell you that that's the part of the job that just wears them out. And it's part of this whole thing where they've changed rules about, you know, I mean, I remember talking to urban Meyer about this, you know, when they, they give you these little windows where you're allowed to make contact with these recruits. Right. And, and he would tell me that he literally has like four or five guys that are sitting with him, just giving him every single number next for the text. Hey, send one to Reed. Make sure he's doing good. How's he doing? How's mom and dad? Let's get one to Elliot. Hey, man, great game over the weekend. I mean, this goes on for days and days and days and days and days. And then they shut down that window. Then all of a sudden, you can't do some of that stuff for a little while. Okay, then you're allowed to go visit. So now all of a sudden, you know, you're trying to do this, 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 and this. And oh, by the way, and, and a lot of the big time guys, it's private planes. Right? All that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And and they're jumping on a plane. And they're going to visit the dude in Chicago. And they're going to visit the guy down in Texas. And they're going to visit the two guys down in Florida. And they're trying to get the. I mean, it it just never ends. Forget coaching the team. Right? And then you throw in spring football. And you throw in the fall. In the summer, you're getting ready in two-a-days. For a lot of these guys, the addition of the media... And the addition of the rules in recruiting, and now the transfer portal, has thrown another say, entirely right. new layer on top of it all. You don't
2: you don't have to just recruit the kids to get them in the building. Once they're there, you then got to recruit them so to make sure that they they stay right. Exactly you got to make sure right. they're all happy that they don't leave and go to some other school. That's and exactly that's right. that's yeah, you're right. It's just adding double. The stress of you know I got to get these kids in. Well then to here I got to make them happy. Got to keep them around because they can transfer. They get in the transfer portal. So it's it's making it a lot tougher for these coaches. And, and certainly there's some coaches that you, you got to adapt, right? If if you don't adapt, you're you're going to be left yeah. in you're going to be left in the dust. So if you don't adapt to the transfer portal, then see you later.
1: I mean, can you imagine? And again, we we seem like we get back, and, and this is on me. It's on nobody else. You get back to to Ryan Day on this thing. You just had a quarterback. That did not lose a game the entire year until going on the road against a second ranked team in the country. You make one mistake, a pick that cost your team the game. Okay? Now they had other plays they could have made. It wasn't all on com accord. But I'm talking about from Ryan Day's standpoint now. Okay. You lost the game. It's a disappointment you didn't beat Michigan. It's a disappointment you didn't play in the Big Ten Championship. It's a disappointment you didn't get in the college football playoffs. So in the eyes of your fan base, this year has been a disaster. And now he's taking even more heat because it's three years in a row. You lose to Michigan. Okay? So you got all that going on. But you had your quarterback. Mm -hmm. But you want to be honest with the kids. You got to be honest with them. You got to be honest with everybody. And the story is, is Kyle McCord and his dad... I want to ask Ryan Day, "Hey, are you guaranteeing that I'm going to be the starting quarterback next year? And Ryan Day, apparently, allegedly, during this conversation, said, look, these were our goals this year. Kyle had a hell of a year. Hell of a year. First year starter program like this, big wins against Penn State, last 60 seconds against Notre Dame, blah, 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 undefeated until the Michigan game. But he looks him in the eye and he says, I'm not going to guarantee that. I can't do it in this job. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to the other players on this team. It's not fair to our fan base. And it's not fair to me. And then the kid looks you right in the eye and says, you know what? I'm out the door.
3: Do you think it's a little bit fair, though? And again, I'm not saying who's right, who's wrong here. But if Kyle McCord knows deep down that Ryan Day and the rest of the Ohio State recruiters are going out trying to find, actively trying to find a quarterback that's better than him, do you think that's a fair reason to go? Because I, I agree with you. If he's, I think it, it's definitely it, it, a fair reason to go. If, if, if Ryan Day says, you know what, you're going to compete with some of the guys on the team for that job, it's a little bit different than saying, I'm going to go out right now and try to find somebody better than you and then have him, have him compete with you for the job. Right. I think, it's, I think it's very different. So I would be on the side of Kyle in, in this specific situation, not only taking the heat with losing to Michigan. Ohio State fans are, yep. again, brutal, brutal. Brutal. But at the same time, I, I you know, you, you you can see it both ways. I, I, really I
1: totally don't. see it both ways. I was just coming at it from the coach's standpoint. We were talking about recruiting, transfer portal, all these kinds of things. You're trying to coach players. You're trying to get to know your kids. You're, how are they doing in school? Do they have a problem with a girlfriend? I mean, all this sort of stuff going on. And then all of a sudden, you know, you got to have that kind of conversation. And now all of a sudden, this whole Ohio State thing takes on an entire life of its own about Devin Brown now. Who's going to play in the bowl game as a starting quarterback? He lost out the last week before the season started this year to uh Kyle McCord to be the starter. And all of these other guys that are potential first and round, second round picks, they're playing in the bowl game as of today. Jalen Jaden Daniels comes out yesterday. I'm gone, not playing the bowl game. They come out, Caleb Williams, not playing the bowl game. This guy, not playing that guy. Marvin Harrison Jr., JT Tuimoloa, All these guys are at practice every day right now. Now, they can change their mind and not play in a bowl game. But, you know, it, it appears as though, and I'm not a gambler, if I were a gambler, I would be throwing some serious cash on Ohio State in this bowl game against Missouri.
2: Give me the SEC team, Tom. I understand. I know where <laughs> you come from.
1: All right, before we get to Charlie, quick ad reads, and then we get to Car- Charlie Goldsmith. All right, take it away. Deal. Yeah. All right.
0: So... <clears throat> the Bingles Report, Bearcat Report, is brought to you by Encore Technologies. Encore Technologies provides IT solutions for a data-centered world with a suite of services from mobile computing to desktop to data center, supporting both centralized and work-from-home computing. Oh, whoa. You got it, you got it, you got computing it. Computing modules. Computing modules to improve efficiency and... Productivity!
3: productivity. Casey, that's crazy how you memorized that.
0: <sighs> Felt like I repeated myself there twice, but no. oh well. Um, and then we got... And you look handsome. Thanks. We got Pawnee Water, made right here in Hamilton, Ohio. Uses natural limestone filtration, unlike the artificial processing that other brands use. The result is a healthy alkaline water. Some say the best tasting water in the world. You can visit Pawnee Water at p-a-h-h-n-i-water.com.
3: See where you can buy the great tasting water. And and by the way, Pawnee is such a it's a great product. It's an even better bottle design. You look at that bottle that Reed's holding. It's the best water bottle design in the game. Casey did a great job of stacking. About we had about fifty Pawnee bottles, and we were gonna make a fortress with it. Unfortunately, our boss Reed looked at us and said, "I'm tired of looking at this. I'm gonna throw all these away." And Casey and I was gonna make a recyclable fortress with made of Pawnee bottles, and Reed said no. Well, it was
0: We can only was have called, full bottles of on. water in here. It wasn't a fortress. It was the Pawnee pyramid. It we were going to make a Pawnee, Pawnee pyramid, pyramid and, we and he said no. Big pee-pee. It was the PP and he <laughs> took it. He <laughs> my took it away.
2: My wife came in here when we were watching the Bengals game, and she saw the studio, and she said, are you guys running a frat house? What the <laughs> heck is this? Because there's just bottles and cans everywhere, and – I was like, yeah, we probably should clean this up a little bit. And that's exactly what we did. We did it, but luckily we still got delicious Pawnee water. Pawnee's
3: great. I just wish Reed would have let us build the pyramid, the Pawnee pyramid. That pyramid would have been the
2: most hydrated pyramid the world has ever seen.
3: And it's unfortunate that nobody gets to see it. But that's Mm -hmm. what it is. It's a real real shame.
2: Fair enough. Guys, thank you for the super chats yesterday. Me and Elliot are going to go furniture shopping later. We're going to figure out exactly the perfect table to sit right here. In between us because you guys donated some money for us to get an end table and that's exactly what we're gonna get so we're excited
3: about that I, I think it's gonna oh never mind Casey
0: <laughs> yeah but they're gonna get an end table it's gonna look nice over there they might put some decor on there to, to spruce it up a little bit but now we won't have a uh, like you know coffee just sitting by the table or anything like that or, or whatever it'll, it'll be nice it'll look nice
1: Tom, Charlie's waiting on you. Well, I am fired up to have uh, Charlie Goldsmith. We tried it yesterday, but our good friends from Spectrum made our visit with Charlie um, unavailable yesterday. One question deep. So we thank him for his um, willingness to come on back today. I was starting to ask you, Charlie, yesterday before uh, the, the Spectrum bug showed up. Um, Frank Pollock took a lot of heat early in this season. Uh, for the underperformance of this Bengals offensive line. Ever since they've shown some kind of commitment to the run game, which they have in the last four weeks under Jake Browning, really the last three weeks, uh, all of a sudden, if you buy into pro football focus, these guys are are grading out among the top at their positions of all players in the NFL. Um, Did Pollock get too much blame early? Is he not getting enough credit now? So, like,
5: the hardest thing for me to evaluate with the Bengals is kind of this specific question you're asking. There is such a a delicate divvying of responsibilities between what Taylor Zach Taylor does as the play caller. Brian Callahan runs a lot of the pass protection plan, and that's a huge piece of what he does. Then obviously Frank Pollock, his role is the run game coordinator, but ultimately they're runs that fit the game plan that Zach and Brian develop. So I would say overall when I look at kind of this trio of Zach, Brian, and Frank, um, I look at the collaboration and the chemistry and the, you know, being on the same page from developing a game plan at the very origin to executing from a technique and you know, a which hand you push with and all that kind of stuff on the offensive line. So I think this is a trio that works very well together. I give Frank a ton of credit for like the rise of Cordell Volson. Also, I give Brian Callahan a ton of credit for the way they were, were passing off blitzes seamlessly and incorporating the running backs and tight ends into that. And Zach Taylor deserves some credit as well for developing an overall, you know, structure of a game plan that put everyone in position to be successful.
1: Okay, all right, that's fair enough. Uh, when you look at the Jamar Chase situation, no, no, no. Let me back up. DJ Reader and DJ Ivy was really coming on for this team. He had been playing well here and made some nice plays, both on defense and in special teams. Sorry to see that he's going to be out for the year, it looks like. Uh, Then you have DJ Reader. He's a free agent at the end of the year. He has come back from this injury before. Two-part question. One, how big a blow ultimately is this for the defense? Um, And number two, does this perhaps – lead the Bengals in a situation where they could bring him back at the end of the season?
5: I think he was the player they could least afford to lose, even more than Trey Hendrickson, just because I like their depth at edge rusher. You know, Josh Tupo has had a nice career with the Bengals. Zach Carter has kind of been playing out of position at nose. Reeder is a guy they can't replace. You know, we know what it looks like without D.J. Reader because they lost him for, like, what, six, seven weeks last year, and that was some of the worst defense the Bengals have ever looked like they've played during Luana Rumo's tenure with the team. So it'll be very tough sledding, um, a huge piece of adversity to overcome. As for the future, I don't know. You know, this is a very significant injury. Reader's been very open of how serious and how scary in a lot of ways that quad injury process was for him coming back in 2020. You know, this is the other leg. Obviously, it's a tear. We'll see the severity. We'll see how he recovers. There's just a lot of unknowns and a lot of questions. But hey, if I'm DJ Reader and this is pretty serious and I need to reestablish myself on a one-year deal next year, I can't think of a place to be better set up to do so than Cincinnati.
1: That, yeah, that's a great point. Great point. And, uh, you know, maybe they, they start looking into this after they see how he's coming along. And, and Is this the kind of thing that requires surgery? I should know that. But is this a surgical thing, or is this just one of those you just got to lay off of it until it starts to heal?
5: I should know that as well. I'm pretty sure he had a surgery involved in 2020.
1: Yeah, I figured. Okay, all right. Uh, now moving forward to Chase. You and I both know, Charlie. You, I mean, you know more about it than I'll ever know. Uh, if somebody would have said to us uh, four weeks ago, Joe Burrow's out for the year. This guy named Jake Browning is taking over. Uh, and then maybe, you know, you play like you did against the Steelers. Okay, a lot of rope there, Browning's first start. Then you put up 30-plus in back-to-back games, and then all of a sudden, oh, now you don't have Jamar Chase. Or maybe after one game from Browning down in uh, Jacksonville. Uh, you know, he has a one game, and you're like, oh, now we're really in trouble. Uh, missing Chase for just this week. Um Obviously concerning, but but do you sense that there's sort of a you know rally mentality down there the way they're playing right now? That hey, we'll find a way. So Jake Browning like keeps
5: leveling up, like he was nearly perfect with his accuracy against Jacksonville. And then the story of the Colts game was they were shaping an offense around his strengths. The story of the Vikings game to me was he just made some big time throws and yep. big time plays, and that's the kind of stuff that'll carry over for the rest of the season, especially when you're uh, about to face a Pittsburgh defense that like Bailey Zappi lit up over the middle of the field, a Pittsburgh defense that'll be missing their top two safeties, that might be missing their third safety, who's questionable, and has had more injuries at linebacker than anyone in the league, and has pure run stoppers trying to defend the pass. like. Jake Browning, go attack the middle of the field. You've got Higgins, you've got Boyd. He loves Tanner Hudson, and Hudson has been probably the most unsung uh, hero-type contributor for the Bengals. Like, there's still going to be a big opportunity for Jake Browning to attack the middle of the field, and he's shown he can make those throws. He's not playing scared. He's staying aggressive no matter the structure of defense he's facing.
1: Hey, I'm curious if you've heard any reaction from some people that, uh, you know, you trust or you think highly of their opinion uh, about the – uh, KZ suspension for the year. Uh, it was a brutal hit vicious hit. There is no two ways about that. Tom Brady had some interesting takes on it uh, coincidentally where you know he thought it was ridiculous and, and, and you know the quarterback shouldn't be putting his receiver in positions like that so on and so forth. But, but have you gotten any kind of gauge people's reaction to this suspension? This is not only the rest of the year. It would be the playoffs if the Steelers made it and he's getting suspended without getting paid.
5: I mean, he's the most fined and suspended player in the league. You know, you see this with Draymond Green in the NBA. You've seen this a couple times in the in Major League Baseball. When you have a history and you have behavior that's not changing, you see leagues take more significant consequences. It's not a single hit that merits a long suspension like that. It's probably a hit that merits at least some sort of suspension one of the most ugly hits I've seen this year, when you have a pattern of behavior like that, that leads to decisions like this that I think is justified in a league that should be going out of its way to protecting its players, especially when they're in defenseless positions.
1: Okay. Um, your gut feeling, and we were talking about this before you came on, because, you know, obviously you put in different information and a different rhythm or uh, 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 research and all this kind of thing. Uh, to come up with mathematical chances of a team to make the playoffs depending on who you believe the Bengals chances are x y and z you think they make it
5: I think they need to win I think if they win two more and get 10 wins they have a pretty good shot and I think that I really like their matchup against Pittsburgh and Cleveland I think that the Bengals defense is built to terrorize people with the skill set of Joe Flacco who's played great but like Flacco played the Bengals last year, and it was one of the worst quarterback games I've ever seen because of the way this Bengals defense is built. So they'll need some help if they just win two more. Obviously, the Kansas City game looms large. If they win that one, then all of a sudden you're having a 2021 moment where you're looking around and going, wait a second, like it it might be time to raise the bar and expectation level even more so. But I think what's realistic is they win two more. They have a pretty good shot. I feel pretty good about them doing that right now.
1: Yeah. You know, and and, and look, I I know I'm stating the obvious here, but I think sometimes we get so caught up in making the playoffs in, you know, all that kind of conversation. If somebody would have said four weeks ago that this team would be where they are now, I I just think that Jake Browning and, and Charlie, you tell me, I mean, you know, the guy a little bit, you talk to him. Uh, this is one of the most unbelievable stories that I have ever seen. Now, 49ers fans are going to say, hey, man, you know, look what our guy did last year, last guy in the draft and all that kind of thing. Fine. But this guy's bounced around. He's been cut. He's been brought back. He's been the third quarterback. He's been a practice squad guy, all these kind of things. And, and he's doing things that have never been done by any quarterback in the history of the league through his first four starts. This is an unbelievable story.
5: Let's go back quickly through the uh, Jake Browning experience. Undrafted free agent, not even invited to the combine. When he gets to Minnesota and he gets preseason reps, he plays terribly and he'll tell you this and Zach Taylor will tell you this. He plays so badly that he thinks he's going to get into coaching. He sets up phone calls. He's ready to drive to take a GA job on like Tuesday. And two days before that, the Bengals give him a call and tell him they'll give him a shot for a workout. Then with the Bengals, you know, he's the third-string quarterback. The third-string quarterback doesn't get scout team reps. So he's putting in time on his own. He's asking, what can I do to help the team win? He's putting so much effort into helping the defense, going to extra meetings, working with the defense, helping them read opposing offenses, doing all that kind of stuff. He gets the buy-in from the team. Still, you know, in training camp this year, he didn't play great. We were talking about should the Bengals go out and get Brandon Allen? The Bengals went out and got Will Greer. And an answer I would love to know is what if Will Greer didn't go to New England? Would there have ended up being some sort of competition between Greer and Browning? just because Browning hadn't shown much. And I think his experience on the scout team this year really helped him. He got like a a nothing-to-lose opportunity in scout team. You know, you can just make and rip aggressive throws because there are no consequences. I think that mentality and that opportunity really helped Browning play with an overall, you know, a bit more of a swagger and a confidence against difficult looks, against a good Bengals defense. So then he comes out here and makes history. That's about as good as it gets. Do you think that he ends up a starter somewhere else next year? i think that we're in a aj mccarron 2.0 situation here you know remember aj mccarron lead the bengals to the playoffs in 2015. the bengals put a very high value on him and they held on to him for longer than anyone expected because of the high value they had now the bengals did end up agreeing to a trade with the browns that ended up not going through because of an email problem um was it a second and a third so they had a very high value that another team ended up meeting if it's February and a team's offering you like a second or a third for Jake Browning, you can get a starting running back or a starting tight end in the draft. All right, I think I make that move. But the Bengals are a team that really values the backup quarterback spot. We know that. And so they certainly have some incentive to keep them here if they don't get, say, that draft pick in return that they might want.
1: All right, I'm curious as we wind down here. I don't want to take up much of your time, and we appreciate your time. I, I, I'm curious. Uh, are, are there areas of this team in the last four weeks – where you thought those areas were of big time concern for the future of this franchise, whether it's the offensive line, the tight end room, the running back room, and we don't know what's going to happen with Nixon, um, you know, uh, different components of the defense. Uh, are, are there areas just the way they've played the last four weeks that all of a sudden you're going, Ooh, we might be a little bit better off next year than we thought in that area.
5: I wasn't counting on chase Brown just because you never know. Like, Chase Brown was a late fifth-round pick. Chris Evans was an early sixth-round pick. And, you know, you never know with these guys on day three. I think I'm counting on Chase Brown to have a long-term role a lot more than I, you know, would have six, eight weeks ago. Look at tight end. Uh, They both could be free agents. But if you could bring back Hudson and Sample and then draft a developmental tight end to become your long-term starter, that becomes a pretty good plan. You know, eight weeks ago, I'm saying, is it time to have a conversation about what the Bengals have to do at left guard? I think that Cordell Volson is, you know, sticking his flag firmly in the ground as the yep. Bengals, you know, long-term left guard. Um, I- I'm on Miles Murphy Island, and I think that he is really taking the steps that you would want to see for a 21-year-old edge rusher. He has really started to come on and play with some real momentum and, you know, shown that, you know, even though, you know, we can debate that pick, he's shown that he has kind of been the, the skill set the Bengals were expecting. So those guys as a whole would be uh, areas I'd look at.
1: Okay, last thing I want to ask you about. I'm going to jump ship completely over to the other side of the island on baseball. It seems like every single day. It's another rumor about Jonathan India. Now, we heard Nick Kroll talk about Jonathan India at Reds Fest. You talked to him uh, that he's willing to to start moving around a little bit, get out of the infield, do some time in the outfield. We wanted to see that happen before last year. It didn't happen. Um, At the end of the day, do you think India gets moved?
5: I think that if Nick Kroll was like very confident that he would get moved, then you don't have the conversation about playing the outfield. Why have that conversation if, you know, probably, you know, India was fine with it. We talked to him about this. But why have a potentially awkward, difficult conversation like this if you're just planning to move the guy anyway? The India trade stuff hasn't changed, even with the Candelario uh, signing. The Reds want to add pitching. They're looking at opportunities to do so. They have areas of, their, of the roster they could trade from, but they're not motivated to do anything. That includes Jonathan India, who the Reds are very excited about, you know, having a, taking another step forward in 2024.
1: All right. Charlie, we thank you for coming back uh, again after what happened yesterday. Have a great rest of your day and rest of your week. And, uh, and hopefully we'll catch up with you before Christmas. If not, have a Merry Christmas, my friend. You too. All right. Thank you. Charlie Goldsmith, Cincinnati.com. has his new letter coming out. You can check that out. Guys all over, both on the Reds' beat, Bengals' beat. He's got it covered. Anything in there you like, didn't like, what? Well, From our no. friend Charlie Goldsmith <laughs> and Spectrum deliver the goods today. We give it up to
3: them. Shout out to Spectrum. You, yes. did, your, you did your job for once. Um, there was one question I thought you, you were going to ask, and, and maybe I, I overlooked this every single time. I watch, and again, I, I, know, I know how silly it is to bring it up. Brad Robbins legitimately is... Is, is one of the worst punters in the NFL. He ranks 31st. At some point, that's going to bite us in the ass. At some po- He had a 36-yard punt on Saturday. It's got to stop.
1: Yeah, He's brutal. And, I, mean, I, and I, I never say that about anybody. He is brutal. He's the only guy I watch. And I tell you what, do me a favor. This weekend, just watch every game you can when you have time and tell me how many times you see the punt returner backing up and how many times you see the punt returner come running in. It is almost like every single time Robbins touches the ball with his foot, the guy's in a dead sprint forward. It, it's, it, at some point, it's going to kill this
3: team. It hurt us in the Super Bowl. It's going to hurt us again this year. I don't know when. I don't know how. But it's not good, man. I, and, again, I, some, some of it is because the offense puts us in a position where you get to midfield, a little over midfield, and you're, and you're making short punts. But his, but, it, but his precision punts, they're not great. He doesn't like pin guys deep inside the five-yard line ever. He doesn't punt far. He doesn't punt high. He doesn't do anything right. I, I, I'm, I'm, again, maybe I put too much stock into the punting game.
1: Look, all we did was go back and look at the numbers with Drew Chrisman last year. And yeah. look, Drew Chrisman got crucified in this town. Right? And yeah. I, believe me, I was right there with at those critical, that were on his mistake. case. Right. All right? Okay. On punting the ball uh, in the AFC Championship game, which there was a big return and it sets up the eventual winning score for Kansas City and off the Chiefs go to win the Super Bowl. Now, part of that is certainly on Drew Chrisman, and I'm not Drew Chrisman's agent. I had only met the guy for the first time ever when we did our chatterbox show before the Steelers game a month ago. But I mean, here was a guy that you didn't draft. You brought him in basically off the scrap heap after he left Ohio State. He backed up forever and ever and ever and ever never getting into a game, right? And then he finally gets a chance. Go look at his numbers last year in the six or seven games he played. Go look at his numbers last year. And I'm talking about punts, punting average, net average, punts inside the 20, punts inside the 10, compared to what Robbins has done this year. Chrisman is better in every single category. But the Bengals didn't draft... Drew Chrisman. They drafted Brad Robbins. If this guy would have been a guy they picked off the scrap heap, he'd have been gone six or seven weeks ago.
6: Yep, that's
2: right. That's listen, Tom. If it, it's actually funny when you watch Brad Robbins punt the ball, because when he actually punts the ball, like a like a NFL punter should punt the ball. You start like, yeah, that a boy, Brad, you finally got one downfield. It wasn't a 30-yard punt. You're actually, like, pumped about it. That shouldn't be the case. Listen, uh, I mean, the, the, this name we haven't thrown around, if, if we're actually looking to get a new punter, probably wouldn't be this year. It would probably be in the off season. But Matt Ariza, I'm, I'm sorry if I pronounced his name wrong, was, uh, quote, unquote, the punt god. If you watch his highlight tape, it's the only punt highlight tape worth – Worth watching. 80 yards in the air, he was punting the ball for San Diego State back in college. He was punted by the Bills, obviously had some legal troubles, was cleared of all the legal totally troubles. Cleared, totally,
1: totally cleared. Totally cleared. Totally cleared.
2: Totally cleared pretty much from the get-go, right? Uh, after they looked into that story at all, he was he was cleared pretty much from the get-go. So he's uh, a complete free agent right now. That's someone that we should be knocking on the doors. I wanted the Bengals to draft him back when he was uh, going to get drafted. Obviously, they didn't do that, and they got Brad Robbins the next year, but – yeah, I don't know how much punning, how much value punning is to an NFL team. I don't know if how much better your team gets if you have the best punter in the league as opposed to the worst punter in the league. But it's certainly an easy area to upgrade in at this very moment. It's not going to cost you any money. You got the 31st worst punter in the league. You, you wasted a sixth-round draft pick on them. You can do better is, is what it comes down
3: to. It's just, it's just going to matter eventually when, when we're at the 25 and we get we have a three and out – we're on our own. Thirty. We're punting it away, and they're getting the ball at midfield. At some point, that's going to matter. I don't know when. I don't know how. But it's just an area, like Reed says, there. You just have to be. You just have to be better at it.
2: Yeah. Well, the one thing that I, I thought that uh, Charlie said that was 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 very interesting was one thing that we talked about yesterday. And that's the playoff hopes. I've said for the long time, that so the Bengals get the ten wins. I like their shot. Yep. I, know, I know if you start going down that that line, it, it gets a little dicey with some of the teams needing to lose and stuff like that. The other thing I thought was uh, you asked them about what players have have certainly showed up, and he hit the nail on the head on both guys that I thought. Miles Murphy, who is getting more and more snaps. He's our first-round pick. We knew that he wasn't going to be a starter this year. We knew that because we already have Sam Hubbard locked up. We already have Trey Hendrickson locked up, and they've been two of the best at their position in the league over the past two years. Huge, critical positions over the past two years on the Cincinnati Bengals team. We knew Miles Murphy wasn't going to get a whole lot of snaps, and he's kind of grown into his mm-hmm. own. A couple sacks, had a sack last week. He's starting to play a more prominent role in the team. And then the other, the other guy that we've talked about is Chase Brown. I've said on this show, I'll say it till I'm blue in the face, that the key to every good team that I've seen in the NFL is they draft a running back like every three or four years in the third, fourth round. And it normally plays out pretty well if you have a good, good offensive line. That's shown true with uh, the the Dallas Cowboys, other than Ezekiel Elliott, but they obviously replaced him with Tony Pollard, and now the new guy that's in there that's playing well. But Chase Brown is the future of this Bengals running back team for the next three years, and then you draft another guy. Three years later, you draft another guy. So those are two guys that that Charlie highlighted, and I just want to highlight right now that those guys are playing very, very prominent football right now, and they're going to be a part. Of the, the blueprint next year.
1: And, and now it's going to be time for somebody else. And gosh, I wish I had a nickel for every time I've said this on the show in the last year about guys who are going to get a chance now to step up. I mean, I remember Jackson Carmen this time a year ago. Right. Right. He actually stepped up and played very well. But mm-hmm. apparently his offseason was a disaster. He wasn't ready to play again this year. He was he had a golden chance to go win a starting job against Bolson. And it um, didn't happen. Uh, they had to go out and get... You know, they had to move Jonah Williams from one side to the other. They had to go out and spend a King's ransom on Orlando Brown Jr. Uh, and good for the Bengals for doing that. But uh, and we've talked about these defensive linemen. You know, whoever they are, right? Tupo talking about Carter, talking about Osai, talking about, you know, all a sample. All these different, well, well, here we go again now, Casey. All those guys are getting another chance. Not a single one of them is stepping up the way Murphy is stepping up in recent weeks. Somebody's got to do it now. I don't care if they're playing out of position or not. You got to make something happen here because the the Steelers are going to pound away in the run game, or at least attempt it. And Lou Anarumo's forgotten more about it than I know about it. He knows it's coming.
0: Right. I mean, um, like you said, I think uh, out of the the guys that you know we're worried about replacing for DJ Reader, Tupou and Carter. Um, they did make a really good stop when we needed it. Right. I mean, that that's that's one th- that's in the right direction so far. Yep. I think when we look at what who is going to replace it, I think it's also another co- by committee sort of situation. Carter and Tupo. Um, maybe for them, it was all about just getting more snaps because they they seem to really take that um, that opportunity this last week and really run with them. I mean, they were, um, Zach Carter was the seventh highest graded uh, player on the team uh, on defense last week and Tupo followed right behind that. Um, they're both kind of different um, responsibilities. Carter's more of your three tech and, and Tupo is more of your nose tackle, but they both shared that responsibility from um, Reader going down. And, you know, I we, we talked about how they gave up a lot of rush yards to Chandler. Um, I think Chandler's actually a pretty good running good back. back. And well, I think he
1: ain't as good as these two cats are playing this weekend.
0: Well, sure, maybe. But I also think the Vikings interior is pretty good too. Like yes, I, I think I think that culmination really I mean if you take that into in consideration, then you see and you kind of understand why they were able to run the ball on us. But this week against the Steelers I mean, we held them to 16 points. Like, we act like they, they yep. gouged us. I mean, it's going to take another sort of normal, I guess it's now, now it's normal, a normal Bengal defensive day where they give up 350 yards and take the
1: ball away twice.
0: That's what it's going to have to take to, to, to beat the Steelers. Yep. And if you don't do that, then you might be in trouble.
1: Well, look, they, they, uh, you know, we can talk about the Kansas City game and the Cleveland game that are coming up, and, and, and those are against two bona fide, legitimate playoff teams. This Steeler team is not a playoff team. They're not. There there are no excuses here. Division rival, none of that stuff. I mean, the, 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 the Steelers through the years have owned the Bengals. It's not even been a rivalry. They've owned them. Now, maybe not in the last two or three or four years, but over the long haul, right. they have owned them. And I mean stupid owned them. So, you know, there are no excuses here for this week. And you win none. You got to show up and you got to beat a team that is an inferior team to you are. They have their third string quarterback. You have your backup quarterback, right? right. They are missing their two starting safeties. You're missing your best wide receiver. You start plucking all those people out, putting the pieces in. The Bengals are a better team. No
3: excuses. Shut down the run. Uh, that's that's. I can't watch Najee Harris carve us up for another 85. What was that? I was singing the song. Oh, you was singing the, the song. Uh, don't let Najee Harris carve us up for another 85. He's not a very good running back. If Jalen Warren wants to go out there and he can do it, fine. Stop, stop Najee Harris. He, he's not a very good directional runner. He runs straight. He doesn't move right up the gut. Stop the run. I like the
1: other guy better.
3: Jalen Warren's way better. Yeah. Way better. Uh, If you have to make Mason Rudolph throw, the Bengals win this game by 15-plus points. This shouldn't be close. This should not be close. The Steelers have a very good defense, and they have one of the worst offenses in recorded history. Take care of business here. And as as, as long as we don't start swinging helmets at Mason Rudolph, we'll be fine. Listen, I've it just it just shout out Amir Garrett. That's why I remember him. Amir Garrett, Amir Garrett. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, Miles it's, Garrett. it's
2: it's so it, it's just the Steelers, man. It's just the Steelers. They Tom's right. It hasn't been a rivalry a whole lot throughout throughout my fandom of being a Cincinnati Bengals fan. The Big Ben came in every single week, yep. and you thought you'd had him right where you wanted him. Big Ben would march it right down the field, and they win the game. Obviously, Big Ben's not there anymore. But even in a game where they're playing their worst football of the year, we're playing great football over the last three weeks. It just feels like I don't know. I'm just I, I'm never confident going into Pittsburgh. Never confident. If we couldn't beat them at Paycor Stadium, it makes it hard for me to believe that we could beat them at Heinz Field. Granted, they're going to be on a third-string quarterback, but we're going to be on our backup. We're going to have no Jamar Chase, more than likely. We're going to have no DJ Reader. We're going to be a banged-up team. Every team at this point of the year is banged up, so that's not an excuse, but just laying out the facts where they are. Yeah, if you stop the run, you got to like where the Bengals are at.
4: You
1: know, somebody keeps bringing up getting a bunch of likes on this show, which I never do. Somebody's a little bit short on what they're hoping we're going to get on this show. We have hundreds watching on YouTube. Yeah thousands watching on Twitter. Millions.
3: I Yeah, Parker asked for 248 likes. If you guys would like to right now, just click the little thumbs up button. Boom, helps us out, helps you out. Everybody has a good time. Please Somebody subscribe. says Please
1: around like, here, we're starting a bonus content that is going to be on OnlyFans. Drew Garrison says that. Yeah, Tom, going to start on OnlyFans, Tom? No, yeah, Tom, will be, fans. Tom will be on OnlyFans. Tom no. Brennan will be on OnlyFans. How much are you charging, Tom? Uh, it, it wouldn't make a penny, whatever you charge. You can charge <laughs> a penny and you still wouldn't make a penny. All right, let's get to our picks. Okay. All right, and let's get to our uh, Power Five after that. Man, a Power Five stuff. There's been a lot of movement going on with some teams all of a sudden losing and winning. Okay, here we go. Tennessee at minus three. Texans won that game. What was the spread? Was this a push?
0: No, no. Yeah. Uh, Tennessee was favored by three and Houston oh, won. Tennessee
1: was favored. I'm sorry. Okay. So the only winner is Zebra.
2: Elliot, congrats! Did you bet that? on that? Did on you bet money. on that game? Real money on that How game? How about
3: that? Uh, I I bet on the uh, Titans. Titans blew a thirteen point lead. Why do you continue
1: to do? Because
3: this? I don't know why I do it, Tom. I, I, I mean,
1: I... it doesn't make any sense. Last week or the week before, one or the other, you, you would have won unit after unit after unit. You couldn't even count that high. And I... then you make these picks and you do great. But then, when you go to put the money down, rubber meets the road. You're betting against your picks. I listen. I don't stick with my gut, and it's a problem. It's it's an
3: issue I have. Last night, I stuck with my gut, won the bet. This time, I didn't, lost the bet. Pick of the year. You won it the pick it. of the year yesterday. Wait till tonight. You're gonna love my pick of the night. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't falling. I, I ain't two <laughs> zero. I'm two and zero. Go I ahead. Know. Go ahead, Casey. Okay.
1: All right. So we're, we're moving on. on. Moving on. Oof. Ooh, boy.
3: Oh,
2: Ellie.
1: 2 0, Tom. Reed and Casey going with the Broncos. How'd that one turn out? That did it was a bloodbath, Tom. Yes, I know. That was, it was bad. I know it was. The fight in Chris Spielman.
2: You believe in the Detroit Lions, Tom? 10
1: wins on the year. Boy, I want to so bad because I, I, I love my buddy Chris Spielman so much, and he's so all in. I I hope they do great. I hope they're the NFC champion. If I had to root for one team, that's who I'm rooting for in the NFC, for sure. Uh, I don't know if I'm buying them, though. Yeah, listen,
2: we we as NFL fans like to call teams frauds pretty, pretty yep, quickly. Yeah, we do. We like to call them. But if you win 10 games in the NFL,
1: you're a pretty good team. You're right. You're a pretty good team. They're pretty good. I I, I just, you know, I, I thought you were asking me more along the lines, am I buying them once the postseason begins? Right. I don't know. They, they'd be hard to beat at home, though. After that, all you got to do is win one. You know, you get a couple at home. That's right. You know, you go on the road, and who knows what happens. Okay, next up, Elliot's on a roll. Let the good times roll, baby. Elliot,
3: I'm owing three. Oh God,
1: three and zero.
3: I gotta keep our stats. I gotta
1: see. Did you stats. bet on this game?
3: I did bet on this game. I bet on the Lions game, and I did bet on this game. Who'd you bet on this game? Colts.
1: Well, I have to ask that question based on the last. I guess it's a fair question to ask, but I did ride the. Col- I think the Colts were way better. Okay, cool. Casey, well done. I mean, you and I are two and one. Reed is. Bringing up the bottom. I'm one and two. Oh, I'm actually. sorry. I'm two and one. Forgive huh? me. So, I'm in the hunt now with Elliott to see how the rest of this goes. I have a bad feeling about it moving forward. For me, anyway. Go ahead. Not for I me. I can't even remember who I pick anymore. Uh-oh. Oh. How did this one go? Reed, how are we looking? This was my play of the year. There's
2: no reason that that spread should have been what it was, and it was a bloodbath. I mean, Josh Allen, they scored 30 points. Josh Allen doesn't even throw for 100 yards. No.
1: Did, Did you that's... actually bet money on this game? Yes. And you bet the bills. That was your lock of the week. Yes. Okay. Did you bet the Cowboys in this lock of the week?
3: Yeah, I lost it all. And then I doubled down at halftime. Then I doubled down in the fourth quarter.
1: Casey, any thoughts Why? on jumping on the Cowboy bandwagon? Uh, <laughs> I won't make that
3: mistake again, that's for
0: sure. That was stupid, awful decision. Frauds. Frauds.
1: All right. Next time, three and one. and I just caught Elliot. I'm one and three. Here we go, Bengals. Yep. yep,
2: it's a push. push. I bet Reed. against. I bet against my heart. See, Tom, I've got a, I got a frail, I got a fragile little heart. It doesn't do so well. So I wanted all of the things that the Bengals. I, I bet against all the things that I want that my heart wanted, and it, uh, it worked out. I had a good, I had a good week with my heart. Not so much
1: with these picks. Okay, all right. It's a push. Uh, this is a neck and neck race now to the finish. Here we is go. That it? Oh, that's I got it. a bad feeling. This is. That's it. We didn't pick the uh, game last night, did we? Oh,
0: we did pick one more. <laughs> oh, we did. Okay. Oh, boy. Brutal. That's, that's just. A push. That's
3: a push. That's, that's a three push. pushes. It's
0: Yeah, it's a push, but it doesn't feel like a, a victory. Or it doesn't feel like a push. It feels like a loss.
2: Casey, you were beat up over that game. I you mean, really the, Brown, are, the Browns should have <laughs> lost. Why
1: are you, <laughs> are you so worked up about what the Browns do?
5: Guys,
0: Tom, I want all of our division rivals to lose. I Want them all to lose.
1: I want them all to lose. Well, the Browns so sure deserve to lose that game. I'm not sure that's what you want the rest of the year. I don't know that for sure, but I don't think I don't know if that's what you want the rest of this season. Well, I don't want the I, I mean, don't care about those. The Cleveland now. play the rest of the year? They play Besides less the, the last
2: week, um, I don't know who they couple play. A couple
1: of softies, I think. I right? Can, don't I they play like the Raiders and? They, they play, play Texas. Houston. They play the Texans. Uh, Texas. So you would want them to
3: beat the Texans? You want the Browns to win out except for us. So they, that game doesn't mean anything. That,
0: I, either you want them to lose out completely to where they're losing well, eight yeah, games, yeah, yeah, or yeah, you yeah. want them to Right, right. and to that would have
1: been a big deal the other day. If they lost, they'd have the same record as the Bengals. In a tie break, the, the, the Browns would have head-to-head, but you get them one more time. So you beat them again, and if they had one more loss than you, you leapfrog them. Okay, I get it. But now we're at the point with three to go. OK, Yeah. You, wouldn't you want them to beat the, the, the you, can, you can
0: either lose out. The Browns can either lose out and that be completely happen. out of the playoffs, or they can win out and lose the Bengals. So however you want it, however you want to slice it. But for me, I'd rather them lose out, because I don't like the Browns.
2: Do you, you know what's funny about your Bengal fandom, Casey? Is the Steelers are your l- least hated AFC North team? Yeah. And that doesn't compute in my brain. That well, doesn't I, compute at all.
0: Well, I don't like the Steelers either. I mean, like, they I feel like that's the most popular team to hate on. And, like, there's enough hate there already. I got to give hate to the rest of the teams in the AFC North because they just don't get hated on enough. They all stink. They all suck. Ravens <laughs> do. Yeah, in their own special way. They the win Ravens, games. Out so. of the AFC
2: North teams, the Ravens are the team I hate the least.
0: And they're the ones I hate the most.
2: It's the it's the Steelers by a country mile, Tom. Fighting hardballs than the Browns.
1: Yeah, don't like them. Don't like their fan base either. Terrible. Where's our buddy Jolly Jolly been?
2: Uh, he's he's
1: uh, he's gone in the same direction as a lawnmower man. Just don't see him anymore. Gone with the wind.
2: The seasons
3: changed, and and he's out there producing games in the West Coast still. So
1: well, he's back to the NFL now. Oh, is he? So he rejoins that, that number one team, He was is now Olsen the game and uh, Burkhart. What's that? He was doing the game last night. The game last night? We're pretty sure. On the no. That's no, SPN. he's a full-time employee at Fox. He yeah. wouldn't have been doing that it's game SPN. last night. Let's say let him, which would be it's, kind of a oh, surprise. Uh, it's the winner, start. so okay.
2: Jolly's closes, as the root beer stands in Hamilton do.
1: I see. Okay. All right. Well, I could be wrong on that. Jolly, Jolly. He posted Burkhard.
0: something where he was in the truck. Oh, he was doing the Cowboys Bills. My bad.
1: Yes, yes, that would have been with Fox. He's back. We gotta get Lawnmower Man in here. I miss him. I miss him bad. I miss him. It's not the same. And certainly the 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 the, the sidewalks don't look the same. (laughs) Power rankings, Tom. All right. (laughs) All right, Casey. Here we go. We ready? Where are we starting with Reed Miles? Sure. We'll start right. with Reed. Reed Mouse it is.
2: All right. So here's the thing, guys. I'm going to take a small victory lap here, a small victory lap. And the reason I'm going to do that is because two reasons. Last week, I had the Buffalo Bills at number five in my power rankings. And every single one of you, the 200 people watching yep. the show, y'all laughed at me. Every single one of them. He said, you did not just put the Buffalo Bills in your top five. And what happened? They scored about a billion points by running the ball on the Dallas Cowboys, who a lot of people thought were the second-best team in the NFL. So that's one victory lap I'm going to have. The other victory lap I'm going to have is three weeks ago, the 10-1 Philadelphia Eagles, I told every single one of you guys that they were not a top-three team in the league. And what happened since that? You guys all laughed at me there. Loss.
1: Yep. Loss. Yep loss yep
2: I still think they're a great team but they're not a top three team so this is my top five Tom
1: okay let's see it
2: coming in at number one I think the San Francisco 49ers are the most complete team and the, the Baltimore Ravens those are the best two teams in the NFL I don't think if you have anybody other than those two teams at one and two then you're doing it wrong coming in at number three the Kansas City Chiefs my my good friend Elliot rearing he uh he texted us when the Chiefs were tied in the first quarter and said the Chiefs are terrible uh, they went on and, and pretty much dominated that game from that point forward. Kansas City Chiefs, I, I don't know what to tell you guys. Best coach, best quarterback in the league. I think they're still a top five team. Uh, the Eagles, Eagles-Bills, just the Eagles. I, I obviously didn't delete that. There's always one thing. It's like a little Easter egg. What am I going to mess up on these power That's okay. Power five. So the Eagles I have at number four. They're still clearly one of the top teams in the league, and I think the Buffalo Bills are going to
3: come in at number five. So that's my top five.
1: That's a good top pretty five. pretty good. Solid top five. Solid. Okay. Elliot,
3: my top five is as follows. The top two aren't going to change, really. Uh, We're going to have 49ers. We're going to have, we are going to have uh, the Ravens as well as my top two teams. But we have the Eagles again at three. Uh, Full disclosure, I made this list yesterday before I watched that monstrosity last night. Um, Would I have changed that in retrospect? Would you
1: change it right now?
3: Yeah, I would have.
1: All right, what would you do?
3: I would have. I would have switched the Eagles and Bills. I would have put. I would have put the Bills ahead. I think if the Bills, if the Bill, and I know it's a lot to say, if the Bills went out, if the Bills went out, uh, they're the top. They're the best team in the AFC without question. I'll not better than the Ravens. I'll put them ahead of the Ravens. Wow! If they went out, will they win? When it, will they win out No. But if they do, I like them better than the Ravens.
1: Okay. All right. All right. Um, I'm still, you know, look, I'm still in the Philadelphia camp. I think they're going to be okay. Their quarterback was sick last night. That's not an excuse. The old adage, if he's good enough to play, then he's good enough to not use that as an excuse. But the bottom line is, if you heard the broadcast last night, they went on and on and on and on about all the fluids, the time in bed. He's not with his teammates. He's not in the meeting room. He's not in all. I mean, Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts. I'll take my chances when the playoffs start. So, I have the Ravens as the best team in football, without a doubt, in my opinion. I think they're the best team. I think they'd beat the 49ers if they played them. Um, 49ers are right there. I still have the Eagles at three. I reluctantly put Kansas City at four. I just am not buying the Chiefs. I'm not buying them. Is that game in Baltimore this week?
2: I believe it's in San Fran.
1: They play San Francisco or they play Baltimore, Kansas City?
3: Ravens play the 49ers. Yeah. Well, the Ravens play the 49ers. Yeah, in okay. All right.
1: okay. I, I think that if the Chiefs had to go to Baltimore, I think they would get boat raced. That's fair. I really do. Uh, I'm just not buying the Chiefs, but there's so many other teams I'm not buying. I love to put the Bengals in there. I actually think, depending on everybody staying healthy and getting chased back, I think the Bengals are going to beat Kansas City next week. I really do. I really do. Um, but we'll worry about that next week, but I'm still going to put them in there. And then I put the Brownies, the Brownies, Casey, any thoughts on the Brownies still being number five for me, Uh, nine and five on the year, four different quarterbacks.
0: I think a lot of people are having trouble making a top five list in the NFL. I, I think you're right. There's just a lot of teams that a lot of people just don't trust, don't buy, Uh, I think it's clear that there's a separation between the Ravens and 49ers and everyone else. That's kind of how I feel about this year. It's starting to shape up that way, at least, that it's the Ravens, 49ers, and then everyone else. I think that's probably going to end up being the Super Bowl matchup, and that usually doesn't happen. Your top two teams in the NFL and the top team in the AFC, top team in the NFC, they usually don't meet at the end of the Super Bowl. That's not usually what happens, but... This year, it seems more likely than ever. I mean, 49ers, I said this beginning of the year. I said this halfway through the year. I said it even when they were down bad, that that team is one of the best teams put together on paper, roster construction-wise, since I can remember. Um, And the Ravens are the Ravens. They just managed to win with average talent, and they have a great scheme, great coach, and Lamar is Lamar. So... Yeah, I, I liked everyone's list with everyone having the Ravens and 49ers at the top and I think the Eagles they're still a top 5 team. I mean, you can't blame you can't blame them for having a a, a sick quarterback. I mean, yeah. he didn't play great. I mean, he's he's sick. And then uh, the Chiefs are still the Chiefs. I think that everyone had them in, in their top five. I, I think mean, that that's respectable, too. And then it's that five. It's that number five. No one yeah. really knows what that number five is. Yeah. If, yeah.
3: The, if the Bengals were to win out, where would
1: they rank in the AFC for you? Well, they got to be right there. If they went out, I, I put them ahead of Cleveland because I think they'd have the same record if they both won their next two games. Would they be ahead of Kansas City if, if they won out? Yes.
3: So they'd only be behind on the Ravens?
1: If they were to win out, in your mind? If they were to win out, yes. For me and the AFC, wouldn't they for you? If the they, if they beat If they beat the Steelers, they beat the Chiefs, and they beat the Browns over the next three weeks. It's
2: Sheriff Jones, isn't
1: it? Where's two one six area code? Is that I, Cleveland? I That's keep somebody getting, from I keep, Cleveland. Check. I keep getting two
3: one sixes. I got one. I don't one even this know who that is.
1: It's Cleveland, though. Cleeberg is I like to call it. But anyway, okay, so if they beat if they beat uh the Steelers, the Chiefs, and the Browns. And maybe the Browns shut it down. They, they put all their backups in. Right. Okay, It doesn't matter. If they win the last three games of this season and finish with 11 wins on the year, would you put them ahead of both Kansas City and Cleveland? In I'd power put them ranking?
2: certainly ahead of ahead of Cleveland, but I don't think I'd put them ahead of
1: Kansas City. Even if they beat them in Kansas City with a backup quarterback?
2: Correct.
1: Correct. All right, yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. If the Bengals won out, which means they beat Kansas City, they Kansas would have the same record as Kansas City as Kansas City. That's true. Eleven and six. That's true. With a head to head. And in a head to head win, and you'd still put Kansas City out of them. Correct. Okay.
3: Elliot. I disagree with that. I if they went out, they're they're the top two team in the AFC. I would
2: if if the Bengals went out, they'd be eleven and six. I think the Ravens would be better. I would probably strongly think that the Buffalo Bills are better. I think the Chiefs are better. And then I'd probably have them in the same stratosphere as the Miami Dolphins and the Cleveland Browns and the Jacksonville Jaguars.
1: Jacksonville Jaguars? Jaguars. Have you you know, if you read some of the stuff, and there's something else I wanted to get into today before we get to that. I found, you know, there, there are little things that, I, and they're not a little thing in Philadelphia. They're a big thing in Philadelphia. Because this time of year, Philadelphia is just like we are in Cincinnati. They are all, yeah, they got an NBA team. Yeah, they got an NHL team, but right now they are all in on the Eagles. And I can't imagine what the sports talk shows are like today in Philadelphia. You've lost three games in a row. You're still the division leader. We talked about, you know, if both Dallas and Philadelphia won out even before their game a week ago, Philadelphia would win all of the tiebreakers. Well, Dallas lost, Philadelphia lost. Same Same thing still holds true. As you move forward, if they each win their last three, then the Eagles are champions. But the move made by the head coach, Sirianni, in Philadelphia to all of a sudden change who's the play caller on defense and going with the veteran, Matt Patricia, right? Right Right-hand man to Bill Belichick all those years in New England. Got the head job in Detroit. One of the favorite people that I've ever met in the game of football. If you just saw this guy on TV like I used to all the time, In his days with New England and their assistant coaches are not allowed to meet with broadcast teams. So all the years I get New England games, you'd go in and the only coach you could talk to is Belichick. You can't talk to Patricia. You can't talk to Bill O'Brien, blah, blah, blah. So never had a chance to talk to Patricia. So you just see him on the sideline, you know, looking like he looked and then he goes to Detroit. Well, now all of a sudden he's a head coach and he's got to come in those meetings. And man, I'm telling you, he is a great dude. Great dude easy guy to root for believe me when i tell you but i mean it would be like the bengals uh the last couple of years cruising right along all of a sudden they hit their first bumps plural in the road where they lose two or three in a row and zach taylor yanking the defensive calls away from lou anaruma that is the equivalent of this move in philadelphia with four weeks to go in the season and he flips the play caller on defense and sends the other guy up in the booth and says to Patricia, you're the guy. That is a ballsy move.
2: No doubt about it. No doubt about it, Tom.
1: I just love those guys who look and think about Sirianni and the heat that he potentially... Now, the defense only gave up 20 points last night, but it was a painful 20 the way it ended. Right? Backup quarterback, Four and a half to go, whatever it was. They start the drive at their own eight-yard line, mm-hmm. and you nice can't yard. stop them from scoring a touchdown. That's, that's that's tough.
2: That's the most alarming thing about the Philadelphia Eagles is because that was their calling, right? They, they, I mean, they everyone knew that Jalen Hurts was an MVP candidate last year, but everyone loved the Eagles' defense. And now it's 23rd; it's in the bottom third of yep. most statistical categories. Yep. What has changed there? We talk a lot about the Bengals' defense regressing. We talk a lot about the the Chiefs offense regressing. What happened to this Eagles defense? I don't know.
1: I don't know either because they got players everywhere. And they got animals on that team.
2: It's probably all the Georgia Bulldogs they got.
1: Probably too many. Yeah, you draft too Four. many for Georgia Bulldogs and uh yeah. Should have got a couple of buckeyes. Well, there's no doubt about it. Just look around. Chase Young, Bosa, Bosa. Sam Hubbard. I mean, come on. Sam Hubbard? Yeah. I mean, you know. That's that's and, part of, and that's not even mentioning on offense. Terry McLaurin, 141 yards the other day for the Commanders. It's not even mentioning Jackson Smith and Jigba last night, game-winning touchdown. It's not even mentioning the you know the other guy got his first NFL sack over the weekend. I mean, yeah, we it talk, goes on and off.
2: We talk about uh, where has the Bengals defense regressed? Von Bell's no longer on the team. Von Bell. Eli Apple's no Eli, longer. Where is Eli Apple? Miami, down Apple Island.
1: You miss him around here, though, don't you? He had. Come on, it, you miss him a little bit.
2: He had. I was just. We were talking about uh, the Jacksonville game the other night when Trevor Lawrence at halftime, you know, charges them all the way down the field. Yep. Has a chance to spike it and run a play, and they just decide to run a play, and they do a little out route that is short of the short of the, the end zone. Yep. It was eerily similar. Yes, it was to the AFC Championship game. Patrick Mahomes runs downfield. They run one play, run a little out route. Eli Apple steps up and makes a heck of a play to, to keep the game at twenty-one to three going into halftime. If they score that touchdown right there, the Bengals are dead.
1: Oh, I mean, there's no doubt. They'd be, be down twenty-eight to three. That's one of the biggest plays in Bengal's franchise history, and that is not an over exaggeration.
2: hundred percent, Tom.
1: It the does history it, it, of the franchise. Because what have they been in? One, two, three. three four AFC championship games in the history of the franchise. Right. And that is without a doubt one of the biggest plays in the history of the franchise.
2: Yeah, we don't we don't remember it so much because it happened in the first half. But 100%, they go down 28-3. They don't win that game. No. Kansas City could have kneeled the ball the entire second half and they would win.
1: They're saying, John, John Silvani in the chat says he's not playing much. Why not go pick him up? Well, they ain't letting him go. Miami needs everything they can get.
2: Eli, Eli added a little bit of flavor to this defense, too, didn't he? Talked a lot of crap. Well, he
1: did. He did. And he did the same thing down in New Orleans. And that can wear you out. But I like that. I mean, you it, got right? teams that have to apologize for him. That happened a couple of times last year. Where now the PR guy's got to call the coach. You know, wake him up at like midnight mm-hmm. after he just got home for an hour. And he's going to be back in the, uh, in, in, in the office at 4A. And that's the way those coaches work during the season. Hey, by the way. Did you see what Apple posted online? You know, we got to address this, don't we? That's all you need to hear. That's right. Yeah. All right. We got 10 minutes left. Uh, we have the mailbag. We have anything else going today? Uh, any topics on your mind? Man? There was one
3: topic that's been trending Sports on Twitter. Or non-sports? Oh,
1: no. What is that one?
3: I guess I won't. That's what fine. What is it?
1: Go ahead. I don't know. I don't know. What is it?
3: Well, there was a former Steeler running back. Yes. That posted a pretty horrible comment, I would say, on Twitter. Yes. And people have been kinda of making jokes about it, about a new proposed Pro Bowl. Yeah. Richard Mendenhall's the name. Uh I thought that was one of the most distasteful comments I've ever seen. Well, if you <laughs> haven't seen
1: it, Richard Mendenhall was a former Big Ten player of the year out of Illinois. Big high draft pick. Big, strong, tough runner. Had a good NFL career. He did. When he it didn't last very long, but he had One year, I think over 900 yards, had another year. He rushed for over 11 or 1,200 yards. This guy could catch passes out of the backfield. He almost had 100 career receptions in four years, whatever it was. This guy was a really good player. I have to tell you, when you watch the video, and look, it's as racist as a day is long. If a white guy would have said this, it would have been on every newscast in America. It'd be one of the leads. But... When he is suggesting things like why are white men talking about football on television when they don't know anything about football and telling me as an African-American man or to quote him as a black man uh, about football, you know, okay, there should be an all-white Pro Bowl team versus an all-black Pro Bowl team. This is really, really disturbing stuff. He was called out online by African-American writer now on YouTube, uh, Jason Whitlock, who some like, some don't. But Jason Whitlock is the kind of guy that he's not always going to come down on the side of the fence where you think he's coming down on, covering all spectrum of things, politics, sports. I mean, he lit this guy up. Well, then when Mendenhall comes back and posts another video where you actually see him on camera, I have to tell you, I'm saying prayers for the guy. Because a lot of people have joked about CTE CTE is no laughing matter. Mm-hmm. this kind of behavior is really disturbing stuff. He's talking about the government wanting to run him and his wife who's Arabian run them out of the country. I mean this is like way off the reservation stuff yeah. and I, I really do feel sorry for the guy I, I you know I don't like when people, You know, that's the most overused word, and it's one of the worst words you can say about somebody. Look, there are a lot of people in some circles, I'm forever labeled as a homophobe. And I can't tell you how much it hurts because it's not true. I do not have a homophobic drop of blood in my body. I said a word that was a homophobic slur. I wish I could take it back. I said it flippantly. I've talked to gay men about how I used it. I've listened to gay men about what that word means to me. And I can't tell you how sorry I am for the word I used. I used it. And look, life has consequences. I have to live with the fact that there are people in this world that think that I'm a homophobe. I'm not. I know I'm not. And I can't change their minds. In our society today, we have reached a point where the word racist is thrown around all the time. That is a horrible charge, maybe the worst charge. You can lay on somebody as another human being when you don't know them. Now, we know racist when we see them, but now everything has some element of racism in it. Okay? Everything. Everything you do. If you like Donald Trump, that means you're a racist. If, you, uh, if you're pro-Israel, then you're a racist against the Palestinians and Hamas. I mean, that's where we are now. Everybody can be called in some form or fashion, and it's used all the time, is the word racist. It is a horrific charge against another human being. Some earn it, some don't. So I'm not going to get into this whole game and charge this guy with being this, 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 or this. I'm not going to do it. For me, I look at that dude. That has CTE written all over. it. That's brutal. I mean, when you start believing the government is going to throw an African American man out of the, they're coming to get him, to throw him out of the country, they're coming to get his Arabian wife to throw her out of hell. We're letting in people from Arabia and Africa and every other country in the world, just look at the video yesterday down at the border. They got 150,000 people that have just come in, illegally. We're not running people out of the country. This is, uh, I think it's sad. I really do think it is very, very sad. But it is all over the internet. And there was a video last night of uh, Will
3: Compton. He's a former NFL player. And he was going over the roster of the team, of this all-white team. It was a very funny video. If you haven't seen it, go check it out.
1: And he is getting lit up.
3: He is. He rightfully so. That's terrible. Yes, he terrible. has earned
1: it. He, that guy has earned it.
3: It was the uh, Ryan Clark from ESPN. He came out and bashed him too. So.
1: Oh, Ryan Clark did? Yeah, everybody, everybody's done by that.
3: Everybody's bashing.
1: Okay. All right. Um, do we have a cherry on top today? Uh, there's no box I... <clears throat> lunch today. People have been wondering that missed it yesterday. Um, and Maxwell, thank you says he doesn't mind every now and again if we're talking about some of this stuff going on that actually is part of the world of sports, but steps out into the world of sports a little bit. And this definitely does. And this is a very real topic out there. Very real. Because this guy, you know, he's talking about... I mean, it broke my heart when I heard him talking about 13 years people have brought up this fumble I had in the Super Bowl. That's the one thing we forget about some of these guys that make mistakes. That, 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 that have a play that happens on the Kevin Mack for the Cleveland Browns, my Lord, down at the goal line. Was it Kevin Mack or was it uh, Ernest Biner? Has the fumble at the goal line in the AFC championship game against Denver. The guy will never, ever, ever live it down. Bill Buckner went to his grave, a heartbroken man. 1986 World Series. Ball goes between his legs. Mets win the game. They come back and win game seven. That dude had to move to freaking Idaho to get away from all of it, where he died not too long ago. Heartbroken, man. I knew Bill Buckner. Awesome, awesome guy. But haunted forever, because that's the only thing people remember about you. Jeremy Hill. This Mendenhall cat's going through the same thing.
3: I guess so. Jeremy Hill was kicked out of Cincinnati for that fumble.
1: Yep. And it's a shame because he, he played well for this team. He did. He played very well for yeah. this team. And, and, and naturally, Craig Sandlin jumps in uh, with Jeremy Hill. I will never forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, do we have a cherry on top or no? Because um, we need I, to lighten the mood. E- even if we just played Dominic the donkey. <laughs> I did
0: have one that's a little bit long. It's about uh, last night. Um, Locke was interviewed right after the game, and he he got a little emotional because this was uh, his first time back in a while starting a full
6: game. And uh, I'll just let you listen. Amazing won't do it justice. Amazing won't do it justice. But amazing also doesn't do justice What the O-line, what DK did on that catch, what the receivers did, what Ken Walker, Zach Charbonnet did all game long, the tight ends, man. It takes a special group to rally around a guy that – you know, it's come into a second game of the year, right? Used to the same thing all year long, same cadence, same spin of the ball, everything. But a team like that, not just the offense, the defense to rally around. Me tonight, man, that was that was amazing.
3: I see some – I hear some emotion in your voice. Yeah.
6: It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, I'm just blessed. I'm just blessed. Blessed with a great group of guys, a great city, great coaching staff. It's just it's it's awesome. It's a wow.
1: Drew, when did you even know you were gonna be playing tonight?
6: Oh, there's a long story going into that one. But I kept the mentality that I was gonna play. Regardless of what was going on, how people were looking and whatnot, I was just like, you know what, you're gonna go out there and play. So just be ready to play. Found out when we got here that I was gonna get the nod and roll the dice, baby, let's go.
1: It's back to the touchdown pass to to Jackson. Just what was the play call? Take me through.
6: Yeah. I mean, I'll remember that play call for the rest of my life. But um, we're breaking the huddle. I knew Jax had the one-on-one. Good reminder from Shane in the headset. I said, hey, Jax, you're one-on-one. I'm throwing you this pill. Sure enough. Gave us a one-on-one look. Corner was soft. Jax hit him with some speed. Back pylon, back box throw. Came down with it. Again, Drew,
3: we can see the emotion on your face. We can hear it in your voice. Can you, can you just describe what you're feeling in your heart right now?
6: Yeah, it's so hard. It's so hard to describe the feeling of, you know, not playing for so long, or at least what feels like a really long time to me. And then you sit there, you watch games, you wonder, can I do this still? I haven't been out there on the field. That's the human nature of it. You get back out there last week. I'm like, you know what? I'm the man still. I can go do this. And then you got another test this week where I didn't know if I was going to play or not. Sure enough, ended up playing. We're playing the Eagles tonight. and The, the boys around me rallied tonight. And it just, gosh, it feels so good.
1: It feels so good. I'm so proud of everybody tonight. Congratulations to you. We're all happy for you. Congrats. Oh happy holidays. That's big leaguer right there.
3: By the way, and he never really told the story. I don't know what the story was, but he didn't know he was starting until like 10 minutes before yeah, the game. Yeah,
1: yeah. Which is crazy. Well, I saw on Twitter where the general manager of the Seahawks, John Schneider, he's been there with Pete Carroll forever. That he does a uh, a hit 35 minutes before the 45 minutes before the kickoff uh, on local radio. He has an agreement where he has to do that. Yeah. And they asked him point blank. He says, "I have no idea. I'm about to walk down there. We got to make a decision."
0: It's crazy. You yeah. know what's crazy about that too is um, people don't remember the Russell Wilson trade. Drew Locke was traded in that deal. Many people thought that Drew Locke was going to be the guy there before Gene yep. Smith. So, I mean, he, he could still ball. And he, he stepped in and had a good game. Good, good enough
1: him. game to win, at least. That's exactly. It keeps him in the playoff hunt. Yeah. <clears throat> Obviously, they're going to feel good about him if he has to be the guy again next week. Good for him. Humble. Uh, grateful. As we all should be. Not just during this holiday season, but every single day. We're grateful to every you for being with, uh, being with us again today. We'll be back here tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow, we have Marty Brenneman coming on. We have Brian Billick coming on. We'll have Kyle Kasky later in the week. And we're going to have Kelsey Conway later in the really? week. Really? Nice. She was kind enough to, uh, to agree to do the show later this week. Don't know what time, what day yet. But she does great work down at Cincinnati.com. And so we'll uh, get her to nice. give us a spin on what's happening in Bengaland. Nick,
2: Nick Kirby has an interview with Will Benson. Premiering on our channel in about a couple minutes. So really, be sure to look out for that. Yep, I would from think Reds this Fest. would
1: be really good. It's
2: from Reds Fest, yep. Yeah.
1: Okay. So stick around. That's coming up right now.
2: Yep, it yep. should be. It should be premiering on our channel any minute.
1: Does that have a name? Shatterbox Reds. Is that what it's called? Even though it's not after a game.
2: The title of the video is Will Benson, Cincinnati Reds outfitter interview live from Reds Fest, Chatterbox Reds.
1: Okay, well, that's coming up next. So we all uh, always love having Nick here. He's a huge part of our success and what we're trying to do around here at Chatterbox Sports, as are you, Casey, you, Elliot, and you, Reed Mouse. Thanks, Tom. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.